What's up, Redemption? How you doing? John Hendricks here, as always, for the Threshing Floor Podcast. This is episode number 60, and we finally were able to sit down and do the episode with Mr. Travis Brown. So hopefully you guys are as excited about that as we are to bring it to you. Now, this episode did run a little bit longer than I anticipated. So with that, we are not doing the recent news section that we normally do at the beginning. We're just going to get right into the conversation this week. And we'll pick it back up next week going over the recent happenings in the community. Glad you're here. We'll jump right into it. guys we are here with the legendary mr travis brown how you doing sir (laughs) i'm good i feel like a relic well i mean i guess there are some people in the community that uh (laughs) i'll put it this way there was someone because i asked the community if there was any specific questions they wanted me to make sure that i asked you since i was doing the episode and someone was like i guess this is a guy from way back when (laughs) so yes there you go yeah i guess if we do a good job then maybe they'll have some context and that's kind of what I wanted to have you on for. So That's fantastic. I guess we'll just kind of get right into it. Do you want to, for the people that are much like myself, came into the game after you were stepping away, you want to kind of just give a brief overview of who you are as a person and just go from there? Yeah. Um, well, my name is James Travis Brown. I, I, I have a J name as well. I know you had, you've had some guests where you have some camaraderie because of that. I grew up in southwest Missouri. Um, moved to Ohio where I met my wife, uh, Sarah, and where we became a family, had two boys, um, adopted a son, Ethan, and then, um, lo and behold, we were able to have a, a second son, Dylan. And so I've been playing redemption. I started playing in, I would say 2000. I am a youth minister, been a youth minister for about that long as well. So about 25 years. Been doing youth ministry. Um, I love Jesus. I love gamers. (laughs) And so redemption was just kind of one of those obvious duh moments for me. Like, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I am, I've been serving in the Church of Christ for all of those years. Um, Served in Ohio and then at the same place for, wow, 12 years and then maybe longer. And then moved to Texas. Felt like God was calling us to go south. And got to Houston just before Hurricane Harvey, <laughs> so we we were we hit the ground running serving, and um, it's been a it's been a joy. It was pretty cool when we moved to Texas. Uh, Roy had moved from New York and had relocated to San Antonio, and so immediately I had a connection with Roy there as far as the Redemption family goes, and um, started a play group, and really just just have a passion for. For gamers, have a passion for community. I love, that's really what I love about the game more than anything is is the community that it fosters. And and I just uh, recently I, I did step away. Uh, and one of the big reasons I stepped away from the game was needed to focus on education. I was going back to school for my master's, and I just graduated this this month with a master's in Christian ministry. So that's awesome news. Yeah, congratulations on that. Thank you. You said you moved down. 
to Texas about the same time that Roy did. So you had the cool intersection of having that community that you mentioned that the the game fosters kind of intersect with intersect with that. Yes. So how did it go with you and Roy coming down and, and starting because shortly after that, there was a nationals hosted in Texas. Right. So, I mean, it it seems like you hit the ground running and then boom, all right, play group developed here. We're hosting a nationals in Texas. And then there's already been another nationals in Texas. There was one in 2021, which was my first one. So yeah, I, and I really regret not going to that, honestly, um, with it being so close and um, Roy being the the driving force. He Roy is a force. Um, just that that is one way to put. It. <laughs> he, he is absolutely a force uh, of nature, and I, I love that guy so much. But yeah, he he was very much a, an encourager. Um, my first meeting with him was um, after Hurricane Harvey. He and a friend of his came over and were serving, just coming to help muck out houses and do it. We ended up in a, on top of a roof down in Pasadena, trying to help a lady patch her roof. Um, I'll never forget that day, but yeah, I mean, we, we did hit the ground running. We, we started a play group. Um, the first time I really had a senior minister who saw the game and was like, Oh, that's really cool. And so like the whole, like the senior minister and the youth minister were playing the game. And we were encouraging the kids to play and we were encouraging dads to get involved and play. And yeah, I think we were, it was less, I mean, it was about a year later that we hosted the nationals in Texas. Cool. So I guess you've been able to see it from the ministry side as well. So what was it like trying to balance your involvement with the game and then also your ministry? Um, And then (laughs) you enjoy the aspect of the game. I know it's kind of one of those topics that people talk about they're always like there's ministry potential for the game if you use it that way it's and it's kind of what you make it instead of it is uh you can't just say it's a ministry tool hey somebody come and it's going to do it automatically like you have to engage and make it that but what do you think the game as as far as having a role in ministry is you know I, i i think it can do one of two things it can it can be something that you use to to get out outside of the building and get into game stores and play, play in front of people. Uh, People love asking about other games that they see people playing. They love hearing about them, but then you have the opportunity to ask them about theirs and you automatically have some kind of common ground there. Or you can use the game in such a way that you kind of keep the salt in the shaker. Uh, You don't, you, you turn it into like an ingrown like instead of going out and being in a game shop, we're going to stay inside of our church building. We're going to play this game, which I don't know there might be a place for that, but I struggled with that because um, it, it would become like a, another dividing wall between me and other people. It would get me away from people who need Jesus. And so we, we, we and, I, and I'm talking in a, in a kind of a royal sense, myself and my play group, we tried to be not always at our building. We tried to be in local game shops. I mean, this is how I came about owning Gym City Games, which was a brick and mortar store that I owned in Dayton, Ohio, prior to owning Three Lions, was we were at a store and we were playing the game and we were introducing people to the game, built relationships with the folks that worked there. And the store owner eventually, you know, he was he was one of those guys that owned a store back when baseball cards were a big deal. And he loved that side of it. And he just didn't really 
love like the collectible card game side of it, which is where you really had to go if you were wanting to stay in business at that point. Yeah. But he saw that I loved that and he saw that I loved the people and he made it, he made a really, really awesome offer to me that didn't require much of me at all. I was a minister. You know, it, most ministers don't just have liquid funds laying around to be able to buy a business, but he offered it to me in such a way that I would pay him a little bit as we go. And I would be able to take the money that I earned from the business to pay him. And so I ended up owning a business without really giving him anything out of pocket. But it was it was all an opportunity that was opened up just by being outside of the of the building and using the game in a way as a tool to build relationships. And the game, I mean, the reality is it's it's not it's a really good game. Like it's a quality game. It's not like there's so many things. And, and yes, early on it was it was a cheesy Christian knockoff. I'm just let's be honest. <laughs> At least you said it. <laughs> It was, but, but it has become such a, there's such depth and richness in the game, such incredible strategy opportunities that it's really a good game. And I've had guys that played the other games, Magic, um, played Pokemon, played Yu-Gi-Oh, played all the other games that don't really exist any longer and said, this game is so good. Like there's so many different ways you can go with it. And so... It's not like we're taking an inferior product out. I think what Rob and the design team have continued to do is just phenomenal. I mean, it's incredible what they continue to do. I, lo- I love it. Yeah. Speaking of that, like when I came in to the game, I was introduced by my buddy who is the youth pastor at our church, um, coincidentally enough. And so he's got, you know, a little bit of a background with it. He touched it a little bit early on in his youth, as he says, mm-hmm. um, in the late 90s. And then it was that cheesy Christian knockoff. His parents got it because, hey, here's a here's a Christian version of Pokemon. Play this, yeah. son. Don't play the other one. And uh, Christian had, Pokemon. Yeah. Had a shoebox <laughs> full of cards or whatever. Put them away. Uh, I think he said most of the cards were his brother's, I guess, you know, yeah. where they buy to share. But then the older brother claims or whatever. So had that scenario. And then he was like, hey, I saw this. I went in Lifeway because it was going out of business here locally. Mm-hmm. And we got into the game that way. And the first packs that I opened, actual booster packs, were Angel Wars. So that's always a, like a running joke for me because I'm like, I hated that. <laughs> I hated everything about it. Like, literally, there was nothing positive from Angel Wars opening those booster packs. But um, <laughs> we stuck with it because we opened the IJ starter decks and we saw that there was an updated card face. And it was like, okay, oh, yeah. it seems like they're getting more modern. Then we found out there's a reserve and that added another strategy, another layer of strategy and just compounding onto that but really the the way that you mentioned you can go a million different ways when you sit down with your Mm. collection you want to build a deck you can build a deck to do several different things that are going to help you get to the win condition that not a lot of other card games offer so right i i definitely think the depth of strategy is there for for sharing it outside of of church events and trying to use it as a a tool and that's the thing is not to get like on this tangent here early on because I've got a ton of questions, but like just to <laughs> just to say, my pastor that I grew up with, I loved that guy to death, um, and some of the things he taught me were that you're not always the when you talk to someone, you may not be what leads them to Jesus, but you may be part of the overall story. And he he told us about like there's a scale, 
and at this certain point in the scale. So like it's a negative five to five. Zero is where they decided they want to accept Jesus. And mm. then they start developing the discipleship on the other side of that. They may be at a negative four. You may interact with them, move them to a negative three. You had a part in that story, but you didn't get them there. And then other <laughs> encounters in life can move them that way. And so like the game, you may not sit down with somebody and they see it and they're like, okay, immediately, this game's about the Bible. I want to give my heart to Jesus. Right. Yeah. But they may sit down and be like, you know, I was an atheist and like, I don't believe half the stuff in the Bible is mostly just a record of history, but this is really cool. And now I'm going to play this game. And constantly there's just, I guess you get, you pick up yeah. on it without meaning to. Yeah. Um, and just being around that can, can move that scale for certain people. So I think that's where I think the, the role of ministry with the game is personally. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned that you stepped away to go and, you know, further your education, work on getting your master's. So what was that decision like? Cause you were pretty heavily involved at the time that you stepped away. Yeah. Gotten, gotten pretty deep, uh, in, I mean, not, not nearly in the depth of guys like Gabe and RDT and John, sorry. Yeah. RDT, Red Dragonthorn, uh, John, um, or the Allstads or like, not not nearly as as deep as they were. I, I was I don't know. I kind of felt as though I was involved in that team because I had such a vested interest in the success of the game. Being being an owner of TLG and having had kind of a history with the game and building relationships with with Rob and and those guys. I think there was some. It, it was pretty difficult to to kind of go. Okay, I need to focus on what what I'm doing right now with education. And so we had moved to to Texas and I, I basically approached the eldership at the church that I serve at uh, spring Creek church of Christ in Tomball, Texas. And I uh, said, guys, I really would love to get back in the classroom. I, it's been a long time since I've, I've finished my undergrad. Uh, I would love to, to try to pursue a graduate degree. And they were very supportive of that and offered to, to get me through that as part of, you know, my, my being employed there. And so I jumped at the opportunity. It was difficult because we were in the middle of, we, we were kind of coming to the end of a design. I forget what set it was at the time, but we were getting to that point And I was just like, I needed to make the decision. We had just moved. We had uh, just, a, a, our youngest had just turned one when we moved here. And so everything was kind of up in the air. And so I just made the decision to step away. And it wasn't just a stepping away from my involvement with the elder team or the the card design team, but it was also, I had to figure out what it was going to look like with TLG going forward because I I wasn't going to be able to continue to commit as much time as I was. And so that, that actually played into the sale of Three Lions as well back to Ken who I had originally purchased it from three years prior. So it was a difficult decision, but it was, it was one that I needed to make. Um, I do not regret it at all from, from that side of it. What I do regret is things like, you know, nationals being close and not, not making the effort. And you know, there's, there's conflicts or schedules. There's always the reasons you can give for not, but it's the community that I miss the most. 
if that makes sense. Absolutely. That's one of the things that I wanted to ask was in, in all the time away, like what is the thing that you missed most? And it's, it's funny because every time I talk to, to someone like, Previously, I've had um, another one of these kind of episodes, someone that's away that gets mentioned a lot that listeners and, and people that are new to the game don't necessarily have the context of them and their impact on the game. Right. But I had Josiah on, and he stepped oh, away around Oh, my dude, the, Josiah, yes. Yeah, he, he stepped, around, uh, stepped away around right after, I guess, the 2020 Nationals that was in Maryland that got wrecked with COVID. Okay. So he stepped away, and so everyone talks about him, especially on the competitive side. They're like, dude if Josiah was involved right now and they always talk about, you know, the way he would build decks and make the the right meta calls. And he was just always in the right spot yeah. um, as far as like thinking about the game and the meta and whatever. Accurate. So a lot of people talk about that, but then us new guys that like I came in 2019, I didn't go to that nationals in 2020 because right. of the whole COVID. So I have no context really of who Josiah is as a person. I've never gotten to meet him. I don't have much context for you except for what people have, have said and, you know, if you mm-hmm. go and dig, you can find it. But I wanted to make sure that, you know, people that have had an impact on the game, we kind of highlight. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I wanted to do. But, you know, it's kind of like the community side of it is so such a driving force for the game. And it's, you know, lure for people that are involved with it to where that was yeah. one of the things he said he just he missed the most was the community thing. And you really can't get away with it. anybody you talk to. It comes back to that. So. Absolutely. You've been around uh, knowing that you owned a brick-and-mortar game store. Everybody says it's super unique to this game, the type of environment that it fosters within its community, but how mm-hmm. different is that from other card games you've experienced? It boots I mean, on the ground. Yeah, I mean, other other card games, there, there is community, and I, and I don't want to discount that. Um, I don't want to say that, that, it's, that there's not. I don't know that it's... it's it's different in the sense that it's a community that if the game went away, it would still exist. Whereas with other games, that that probably isn't the case. Now, there are pockets of folks, you know, especially, you know, as you get into, you know, so there's a brick and mortar store that I'm involved with now in Tomball that I've become part owner somehow because somehow. I've gone and served. <laughs> It's, it's, yeah, I'm like a serial game store involvement person, I guess. I have a buddy that collects cars that way that just need a little bit of fixing up and you get, you get card game (laughs) stores that need fixing up, huh? Yeah. Well, but this, this game store is, is not, I mean, this game store is just incredible, but it's, again, it's a community of people, but the the community is tenuous and, and really relies on the game itself. Whereas with Redemption, I, like I said, I honestly think that the the Redemption is what is the catalyst for the beginning of the community. But I think if if the game, for some reason, just ceased to exist, all of a sudden it wasn't there any longer, I would still want to call and talk to Jay Chambers. You know, I would still want to have a conversation with John. Both of them. The John McAleeshan... And, you know, it's like, it's like, I, I still would want that. So th- that's, that's really kind of what, it, like the game store that I owned in Ohio, Jim uh, City was, we, we had that same kind of community, but it was, it is, there's, there's just, I mean, Jesus is what makes it difference. Clearly. Yeah. I guess it just lets you build the, the deeper relationships that 
would well, would exist without it's tempered with forgiveness. <laughs> that's 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 a big part too. Yeah. Like we we can we can have a disagreement and we can get frustrated at each other while we're playing a game, but we're not gonna walk away and never talk to each other again. And I've seen that happen. I've been in the nationals where people got heated and got upset. But when it was all said and done, we're still brothers in Christ. We're still sisters in Christ. Let's go get dinner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we all like to eat. <laughs> that's that's accurate as well. Yeah. Well, I guess have you kept up with the game in any capacity while you've been away? Have you been following not, it at all? Not until you reached out to me a few days ago. Oh, and now you you've done your research a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> yeah, I kind of I kind of dove in and was like, "Oh my goodness." Like, man, the the token thing seems to have taken off. The the making booster draft two player seems to have grabbed a hold. I mean, there's some cool stuff that's happening with the cards, uh, the whole roots thing, the the yep. fundraiser, which seems to be completely funded now. Yep. If I'm looking at it correctly. Yeah, the 18 was the goal for getting all of the cards in the set. And obviously, people can still buy stuff. But Rob said that if we kept it open and raised more money, then it could go for extra you know, like additional advertising or actual packaging. Cause now he's still packaging an old packaging stuff like that. That, yes. that makes the game clean and fresh. If somebody opens a booster box, no yeah. old cards, no old packaging would be fantastic. Yes, it would. Absolutely. But it, you know, you got to love the fact that Rob was innovative and found ways to use what he had, you know, God love him, man. He, he is, he's a trooper. Yeah. I got to meet him at nationals last year. Got to go out to dinner with him and talk talk to him. You know, a lot of other people were there. And just oh, getting yeah. to see the way that he interacts with a large group of people and seeing the dynamic and how much he actually cares about the game and its players. And yeah. like you said, he's had to he's had to bob and weave to keep that thing afloat all these years at, at different yeah. points. But I think the game's in a really good spot with all of the, uh, the decisions that he's made and, and leadership has made and the new sets. I think it's in a really good spot moving forward. I would agree with that. Yeah, I'm I'm just I'm really really excited for what's to come. Yeah. A lot farther advanced than your cheesy just Christian knockoff version, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're a far cry from uh, Angel Wars. Yeah. That's that's good to know. <laughs> but I'm I'm assuming you have your play set of Q. Uh I do not. <laughs> I, I I don't I tell you what. <laughs> Man, the only card in Angel Wars that I, I have, and it's kind of a troll move, yeah. is at Mr. Classic, I made like a framed Michael from mm. the, you know, people call it the uh, Buzz Lightyear Michael <laughs> from Angel yes. Wars. I put it in a little yes. plastic frame uh-huh. and put it on a chain like Logan Paul when he had his Charizard. <laughs> nice. And I wore that. And I was hoping that Rob would make it, but he ended up not being able to make it. I was going to get him to sign it, like open the case and have him sign it. That would you be know, incredible. All the all the trolling <laughs> that you can do with, with that. But uh, I do not have my playset of Q, but there is a community vote for, a, for three cards that are going to get added to the root set mm-hmm. before it goes to print. And Q was one of the ones that was mentioned, so... <laughs> they might surprise me. They might end up having to find a way to bring that back into the game. So I might be able to get a new version of it. Yes, that's right. It, it, it's going to be a meme. Yeah, it's definitely meme level. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess um, the next question here is kind of getting into kind of what all impacts that you had on the game. 
So after doing my research and stuff, and, and that's, you know, I told you I was going to send these questions over and I had them mostly done. And then I reached out yeah. to Gabe and I, I asked him, I was like, hey, is there any more you could tell me? Because I wanted to make sure that I captured, you know, the essence of your impact on the game. And I didn't know what all you had done as far as, you know, on the card design side and, you know, in leadership, I knew about you owning Three Lions Gaming because that's easy to track down within the community mm-hmm. um, if you do your research and you just ask around. But some of the other nuanced stuff that you have to, like, know or have been involved at the time in order to, I guess, understand and know who, what all would be attributed to you and your impact on the game. And I, I don't want to build it up to where it's, like, bigger than it is. But right. also I want to make sure that it's an episode featuring you and I want to show you respect for what all you've done for the game to keep it moving forward. But what all hats did you wear in your time? I know that obviously you go from being a player to mm-hmm. being owner of Three Lions Gaming. I found out that you were on the elder team and you had an impact there. You hosted multiple national tournaments. So what was your role in the game if you were to try to put it in context? <laughs> Um, honestly, like whenever I read through your list of stuff, I was just like, I did that. I I did that. (laughs) (laughs) Like I was, I was genuinely like, okay, I I guess I didn't really think about what I was doing as being all of all that impactful as far as, you know, at the moment, I just looked at it as what can I do to help the game be better? What can I do? And so pretty much anytime I was asked Hey, do you want to be a part of this? I would prayerfully consider it, but really desire to to jump in and be a part of it. So like when I was asked to be a moderator on the boards, sure, love to. You know, I didn't really have a good grasp. I don't think I've ever been like the best of whatever it was I was doing. I was just trying to learn on the job. Um, being a card designer, you know, I I would jump in and kind of, you know, looking at the the guys that are already there and going, these guys have just, they've, they've been designing for a long time. They've been creating. And so basically I felt like I just came in and from that side of it, I just offered a different perspective, like a weird perspective, maybe like, why don't we try this? And I, and I can guarantee you that of the things that you highlighted that were maybe an impactful thing to the game itself, there were probably a hundred other things that I was like, how about this? How about this? How about this? How about this? And Thank, thank God that there are guys like Gabe who are solid and can go, mm, that's weird. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, and, you know, I just, I feel as though any other hat that I, I mean, a tournament host tried to do that the best we could. We, we tried to do things like um, we did the first live stream of a nationals at my first nationals tournament, which was in Ohio live streaming, like the, like the feature table, you know, whatever the, the higher level tables were and had a lot of help from the, the community. Like I, I didn't walk in with like, Hey guys, I know how to do this. I'm like, Hey guys, here's an idea I have. Is, does anybody have any clue how to do this? And then lo and behold, you know, got to put the right people there at the right time and said, yeah, here, I can do this. I can do this. I can set this up. I can get the, you know, your, your streaming platform set up. I can, this is how you set up a webcam. This is how you do this. You know, being the owner of Three Lions Gaming was an incredible experience because it gave me a, an opportunity to try to maybe shift the way we understood market and how it worked with collectible card games and how 
you know, if, if something was selling, that it probably should be more expensive. <laughs> and if something was sitting there forever, it should probably start going down in price. And that, and that's really hard to do. It, it takes a lot of effort to do that. And so it, it wasn't, it wasn't, I was, I wasn't trying to do things the easy way. I was trying to find ways to do things that made sense and would work. And the biggest thing was I was just, I was willing to fail. <laughs> so, uh, you know, lots of ideas thrown against the wall with very few of them actually sticking. But the ones that did, I think were actually kind of cool and they kind of helped. Was that quote Thomas Edison didn't find? He didn't fail that many times. He just found that many ways not to make a light bulb. Yeah, that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. You found all the way, all those ways to not do those things to get the few impactful I say few, I don't want to shortchange it, but you know, like yeah, I've yeah. highlighted the, you know, a handful of things that truly are impactful on the game. And for all of those, like you obviously have the context of your experience to know that, yeah, for that good idea, I had a million bad ones. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think that's all, all I do in, in real life. If we're going to be honest, like at my job, they, mm -hmm. they tell me I'm the, I'm the manager there. I'm just throwing stuff at the wall to see what's going to stick. <laughs> so Absolutely. I definitely get that. But I guess I kind of I kind of skipped over this in my list of questions here. Got ahead of myself, but as a player, I know that I was told as a player you played some crazy decks. You had some weird <laughs> some weird tendencies when it came to deck building. Oh yeah. So, what can you tell us about your time as a player before we get into some of the uh the other hats that you wore? You know, like what was your favorite maybe format or time period in the game of you know, like this set released and this, this meta is what I really liked playing or something like that. Yeah. Um, hmm. probably my favorite kind of play, uh, would be booster draft. I love booster draft just because of how unknown it is. You have to kind of think on your feet and, and do well to do that. The other side of that is, uh, I, I like to build, I, I'm not a big type two player. I definitely don't play multiplayer. Multiplayer <laughs> really annoys me. <laughs> See, I was afraid you were going to say that was your favorite playstyle. <laughs> no, no, I absolutely cannot stand. Well, mainly because there's there are people who have philosophies and they they do not divert from that philosophy when they're playing, even though it makes more sense gameplay wise to do something different. Like there's there's a man that I love dearly, <laughs> um, Justin Allstead. No, his oh, name okay. is Alan. His name okay. is Alan. Um, he's, he was a dad who came and brought his daughter and was involved in a lot of our, our, uh, events, but he would, he would play multiplayer and his philosophy was, if you come at me, I'm going to block you with everything that I have. Well, but the <laughs> next guy has four lost souls. I don't care if you come at me, I'm blocking you with everything that I have. <laughs> and so he would, and then the guy who had four would go in against him the next turn and, and just win. walk in. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, I can't do more. Anyway, he, he didn't play by first one is free though. Right. <laughs> no. Yeah, absolutely. The first one is free, but, but he wouldn't do that. He would, <laughs> he would go, no, there are no, free, no free passes. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get to five if you don't have one. <laughs> that, that's accurate. <laughs> Which this is true. Yeah. But type one was my, my favorite. And as soon as they set a deck limit, like, what is it? Like 140, 150 something. Okay. And there was, I forget what it is. Yeah, it's something but, up there. Yeah. But then, and then they had the gates of hell 
Disciples deck where you could just discard the bottom of your deck whenever you wanted to. Yeah. Basically like <laughs> so, infinitely to get your evil stuff. Yeah. So I was I was at Nationals in Boston. This was the Nationals where they did create your own card. Where you were the card. You, oh, they took a yeah. picture of I've, you. I've seen those. Yeah. So I had I, I got every one of them. I got one of each brigade you could get. So I was playing me, me. No, I wasn't. I never, I don't think I ever actually played them in a deck, but I remember that nationals because I had two decks. I had my serious deck, the one I thought could do well, maybe, but I've never been that great of a player. Um, but I always have fun. And I said to myself and several of the guys that are with me, I said, look, if the wheels come off, if, if I'm like third round and I'm Oh three, <laughs> the gates of hell deck is coming out. <laughs> And so I sit down across from this poor kid. He's an ROK. Never met him <laughs> from anywhere before. Sat down and I set this hundred and some odd card deck down in front of him. And he goes, um, I think you're confused. This is type one. And I said, <laughs> I'm not confused. This is my type one deck. <laughs> you don't even want to see my type two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. My type two deck is crazy. 250. Anyway. Um, no, I, so I like I like building weird decks. Um, one of the decks that kind of stands out in my mind um, was a deck I called my Vitamin E deck. Every card had a scripture reference from a book that started with the letter E. Okay. So <laughs> it, it wasn't good. <laughs> I was going to say, that was the fun deck, right? <laughs> it was, no. But no, but that's the thing is like, I don't know that I ever, rem- like even my deck I thought might win was kind of a weird like quirky deck. It wasn't really good. It was something I wanted to see if I could get it to work. And so I honestly just had fun. Like the times where I didn't like the game the most was the times I took it the most seriously. And I didn't like it. I didn't like myself. So I decided I was just going to have fun. I was going to play. And, and that's what I did. I, I made weird, quirky, dumb, Dumb decks, um, and had a had a blast playing them. Yeah, as long as you're having fun, I guess it doesn't matter if uh, if you're having the level of success. Because I I too get what you're saying um, as far as when you try to take it too serious and then you don't have success. It's like yeah, you've left something out there like you you didn't do well to where like the experience is like half hearted because yes. you're disappointed in it. But if you just go out there and you're just trying to have fun. You can have fun yeah. winning or losing or whatever. And you, the context really matters, especially mm-hmm. in a game like this to where there is so many different strategies. You can't yeah. have a deck that answers every every threat. No, There's no not. way. The game is not – I know that they, they've mentioned trying to get it back to more of a uh, kind of a rock, paper, scissors type meta or whatever to where this deck right. is good against this but weak against that. But you can yeah. never truly limit yourself to like I, I'm, I'm not exposed to anything. So It's so hard to balance it like that. Yeah. And inevitably you're gonna come up against a guy like J D at a nationals where you're 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 everything's discarded, you have three cards in your hand, you can't do anything with it. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> that so, that's just it's gonna happen. <laughs> I build crazy decks. I'm I'm not that good of a player and believe me, we share the same burden there. Like <laughs> I enjoy being involved with the game, but mm-hmm. I don't think anyone would ever call me a good player <laughs> or no. a great player. So that's that's fine. But what was that journey like from from that guy that built the crazy decks and was just having fun to 
each level of the depth that you grew to as far as your involvement with the game. So start off with a player or as a player, and then I guess you move into hosting tournaments, trying to build a play group. Now you own Three Lions Gaming. Now you're involved with leadership. But what was like each step of that progression like? So it was, it was I feel like it was a, a progression through trust. <laughs> Um, what I, what I felt at each, at each level was that, so when, when I started playing, like the first tournament I went to, I'll, I'll never forget. It was at a, a pizza place in Cincinnati. I'm trying to remember who the host was. Um, he had you at pizza, didn't he? <laughs> well, it was funny cause it was, it was like before they were going to be open. I think he worked there. Um, oh, gotcha. and my brain, he, he's going to listen to this podcast and go, how can you not remember my name? Um, <laughs> There's a lot I don't remember anymore, um, but going there and, you know, realizing that we were absolutely not playing the game correctly. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> like we, we didn't really understand it. And then, you know, going to becoming a tournament host and having people come to the tournament and tell me that I wasn't playing it correctly still, um, <laughs> learning from the people that were coming to the tournaments, like Again, it was really an experimentation process. It was me having a willingness to step out and go, okay, let's try it without really feeling like I knew exactly what I was doing. And so that was those first two kind of going from player to tournament host. And, you know, you obviously gain some wisdom and you gain some understanding of how things work as you do that. Learned a lot from uh, the Schaefer, Stephen Schaefer, uh, who was in Ohio. Um, actually, kind of co-hosted a nationals unofficially prior to the one I actually hosted. Um, this was one that was in Columbus, Ohio, um, with Steven Schaefer and learned a lot from him there. Really just kind of getting to know people, understand, kind of listen to what they're saying, learn from them. And so I think the reason that I was, that I progressed beyond the tournament host and the, and just the, uh, as a player was, that I was willing to kind of listen and learn and put myself in a place where I could, you know, be, be built, built up and taught. Um, and so like I, when I, when I bought three lions gaming, so I had owned uh, the, the store before owned it for three years, sold it. And I had had discussions with Ken about buying three lions prior to that. And we just never could come to a place where we could agree on terms. And then I sold uh, Jim city and went to him and said, look, I've, I've got some money from the sale of this business. I would really like to, you know, make one more run at owning three lions and we were able to make a deal. And so again, it was, it was one of those places where I felt like I was being trusted with something. Cause really three lions is one of those kind of stalwart. It's kind of like covenant games. And, and, and this is to not, not, not this Derek or your turn games or any of that. I love Derek. I think he's doing a good thing. I think having competition in the redemption space is really super healthy for the game. But I, again, I feel like it was a trust thing that Ken was willing to kind of pass on the torch of something that was owned by Doug Gray, one of the original OG creators of the game. And then to be able to kind of carry that baton, the trust there from being able to do that. And I guess people seeing that I was trying to build the, the brand and trying to be innovative um, with the products we were offering to the swag that we were trying to produce just again, it was a trust thing. It was, 
I feel like I was just being trusted with a little bit more. And so in being invited into the leadership team, I wasn't immediately like, and, and never was like in charge of anything. I was a, I was a voice that helped to kind of nudge in different directions. And again, like I was saying earlier, like a bunch of different things I'm just throwing out there and like, what if we did this? What if we did that? I was kind of the what if guy. And then I feel like those places where those things stuck were places where there was some trust. Um, and so I, I feel like each time it was just, it was trust being given or granted or applied. If that makes any sense at all. That makes perfect sense. And I guess it speaks to kind of the character that I guess I have heard that you have. Obviously I don't know that from my own experience dealing with you, but you do have a really strong reputation within the game of being the guy that would have taken that trust and made sure that you cherished it and, and handled it the right way and tried to do things in the right manner. Um, and I definitely think that part of that is probably why you have such a strong impact to where, like when I ask certain people about who's the coolest person that's ever been in the game or something like that, like your name has come up a few times <laughs> with stuff like that. And just like, I'm from Alabama. So that gives me access to Jay and Jeremy Chambers Perfect. to where they were like, dude, if you had played just a little bit before you got into the game, you would have loved Travis because of this and this. And I've heard all kinds of stories. Jay still tells me that to this day, like that first nationals that you hosted 2016 was absolutely the best nationals uh, experience that he's had. And he thinks it's the best nationals ever. Oh, it was so much fun. So, I mean, just hearing you talk about it and, and like the, I guess the, uh, the way that you take it as serious as like they would have trusted you putting you in those positions. It, it makes perfect sense knowing yeah. what your reputation is with players that are still in the game. Has he told you about the commentary room? Uh, I have not heard directly about a commentary room. So we had the, we had the table that was being streamed and in the youth room, I had a projector and where we could actually, we basically created a stadium <laughs> where we could watch the main table from an isolated location, somewhat isolated location. And we <laughs> we actually had people, including Jay. Jay was one of the people that did it, who were doing running commentary, like play-by-play. Play. Yeah. Like, I felt like we were watching, like, a, a, a professional magic tournament. Have you ever watched any of those before? Yeah. But it felt just like, <laughs> it felt like that, except way better because like there were so many inside jokes and like things that were redemption specific that were just incredible that was such a good energy that year you mentioning that and talking about your impact on the game and i'm sure that this comes from that experience but we did something similar to that uh earlier in the spring where the games had a rotation to where cards just on that new card face from ij forward or what's illegal which is awesome. It is awesome. It, it is honestly, knowing that that was going to come down the way is what made me stick with the game. Because trying to learn all of those old cards and the wording mm. on them, it makes everything difficult to get in and try to introduce new people to it. So I was looking forward as a new player to the game, like not having the nostalgia of those old cards. Jay wanted to do something. Him and Jeremy wanted to do something to give kind of life to some of those old cards and bring that nostalgic factor to it. So they mm -hmm. had a Mr. Classic tournament, which was an unofficial tournament, but had eight of the top players in the history of the game that were still active and willing to play come in and do a tournament type thing. And uh, myself and Josh Potratz did the play-by-play, -play, if you will. Yes. And we did the whole like setup at Chris's church in Knoxville to where 
they were downstairs yeah. playing and we were upstairs in the youth area with it on the projector <laughs> and whatnot. So, I mean, there, there you go. Like that sounds like it stems from your influence. Maybe. Oh man. That's so good. I that love awesome. that. Now you haven't been in the game. The person that won the tournament was Jaden Allstead. Of course. So Jaden is one of the, one of the best players in the game right now, but they, the, the you don't win- have to say right now. Okay. You can just say one of the best players in the game. <laughs> okay. But he won a legit redemption branded like wrestling title belt. <laughs> like metal what? and everything. It's that is awesome. His his fear was that because he's so skinny that it wouldn't strap around him and just fall off. But it, it did hold up, so <laughs> anyway. I just put it on my arm. Yeah. <laughs> Wear it like a band aid. <laughs> yeah. That's where I'd be at. But like so that, that was, headband. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. But hearing you say that story about the commentary room, well, that influence is, is still around. That's I guess. so cool. I love that. But I guess we can we can talk specifically about three lines gaming because I think that's one of the the biggest areas that your impact on the game probably stems from because a lot of the other things like you were talking about the branding that you were trying to do with stuff, having the play mats and all that, the swag. A lot of that came from having Three Lions Gaming and putting that brand out there. But what was it like owning Three Lions Gaming? I feel like I can catch the sense of pride that you had a little bit because you mentioned Doug Gray owning it and being one of the OG Hmm. players, our our creators of the game and whatnot. So I feel like you you took that sense of pride and you tried to push it out in some of the stuff that you were doing with it. But what was it like overall? Like If you were to try to encapsulate your time owning Three Lions Gaming... How would you describe that? Um, it was really hard. <laughs> that's that's an honest and fair, <laughs> fair it response. It was really hard. Uh, and, and, I, and I don't mean that from a sense of, like, it wasn't doing well or I felt like I was drowning, anything like that in that way. It was hard because part of me, so I'm the guy that, like, when we're at a tournament and, the, and there's a kid that's like, I need this card for my deck. and I'm like, here, you can just have it. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Like, it's, a, it's, a, it's a piece of cardboard. It, it's not going to hurt me one way or the other. You can have it. To go from that to go, okay. <laughs> if, if somebody wants it now, I have to understand that I own a business first, which is really difficult. It's really difficult to get yourself to shift mindset and go, okay, this is a business. It needs to be profitable. Otherwise, it doesn't get to be a business anymore. It's not... It can't be just about a group of friends, and it's and especially in the redemption community, it's hard to balance that. Like you want to you want to be the f- a friend with everybody, and you want to, but you also have to be able to understand that you're you're selling a product. And so, I what I tried to do is I tried to to build into what we did value, so it wouldn't be just like the run of the mill. Like you just you come and you get a you get a couple cards you need for your deck. Um, I tried to be something that. People could, if you're a brand new player, and that's why we did like the deck builders, you know, if you're a brand new player and you have no idea what you're doing and thank, thank goodness my, my record, my like win loss record wasn't posted anywhere really, um, visible. So people wouldn't <laughs> go, okay, I don't know if I want to buy decks from a guy who wins that little, but it was, uh, it was just trying to find innovative ways to make the game more accessible to a newer player make it more attractive to someone that's from the outside looking in trying to put redemption into a position that it could do what it was intended to do, which was to draw people to Christ. 
to be fun, to be impactful, but ultimately the whole point is to is to draw people to Christ. And so making it accessible to new people, putting out things that somebody would walk by and go, Oh, that's really a cool play, Matt. And then kind of look at it and go, Oh wait, is that is that Jesus? Wait. Am I underwater looking? Like, yeah. Like that playmat is intended <laughs> to be. You're you're supposed to. You're, you're you're like Peter. You've fallen out of the water, and Jesus is reaching down to pull you back up out of the water because your faith has failed. So, just doing things like that. Um, there there is a sense with redemption, especially then, prior to your turn games and and that kind of stuff. There was a sense that you were kind of a gatekeeper for the game, in a way. When someone wanted to know what the price of a card was, was TLG celibate for? And so that was kind of the other side. That's why I kind of focused a lot on the pricing too, because I wanted it to be accurate. That if you're going to play something that's being played by a ton of folks, it needs to be either accessible because it's really easy to get, or the price needs to be determined by the demand. So I don't feel like I was, I, I think there were some folks that were like, you're just trying to make, you're trying to do things like these other games. And I thought, you know, I'm really not what I what I what I am is I'm kind of a serial gamer, right? Like I like to look at what other games do and like what makes them good, what makes them bad, what are some things that you can some principles you can take from those and apply them to redemption to make that gaming experience more rich. I guess a similar like if you try to draw a comparison, like you mentioned that some people might have thought you were just trying to copy other card games. Right. Well, you're in the gaming community. It's like being a Christian musician. You can't just forego and be like, okay, I'm not about the music industry. I'm not <laughs> right. like you have to, you have to dip your toe in that and you have to do that side of it as well. Well, you, right. uh, I guess from the accounts that I, I was able to uh, uncover about the way that you ran three lines gaming from the time you took over was it seemed like you were trying to bring it more in line with what other games were doing and getting out of their retailers or whatnot to where mm -hmm. there was a site where you could go and buy a t-shirt and mm -hmm. it seems like before that maybe there weren't anywhere that you could get a redemption t-shirt t-shirt without making it yourself play mats weren't as accessible and now that's obviously evolved and, and whatever grown from that but it seems like you were kind of on the forefront of trying to push that direction well there have always been people who have a passion for the game and who want to bring whatever gifts and talents they have to bear on the game. And I just had an opportunity in three lands gaming to do that. Um, I had been prepared really for, for that by owning the brick and mortar. And actually like, I don't know how many brick and mortars there are that actually had a, a case of redemption cards, but we actually had a case of that was just, just featured redemption cards in the brick and mortar. But it, I think that kind of prepared me for that. And so like for you, for instance, John, you, you have a passion and you have brought that passion to bear on the redemption community through this. And I don't, I don't think, I, I think what you're doing is just as impactful, if not more than what I did, because you're continuing to do, you're continuing to bring to bear on the community, the gifts that you have. And there's a lot of people that do that. Like, I don't, have you seen what actually I may have heard about it because I was listening to one of your podcasts, the, uh, the new redemption reimagined that, Oh, Daniel, the creator, dude, yeah. dude, <laughs> like really, I'm, I'm just kind of blown away by that. Like, but it's, that's just another example of someone who has, you know, taken their passion and used it for the game. Yeah. And those, those things look amazing. It's crazy. 
Like I'm, yeah. So that that kind of stuff is again. You go well. It feels like he's trying to make it look like other games. Yeah, kind of. But one of the things that has always been um, attractive about the game Redemption is the incredible artwork and the fact that most of the artwork is public domain. So there's not a lot of money spent on the artwork, but it's among probably the best artwork in any collectible crowd game we've ever seen. Yeah, I would say that it's definitely, uh, it's got that unique ability because you can notice a piece of art on a card and then go into a random store and they've got that piece of artwork hanging yeah. up because it is public domain, like you mentioned. And yeah. I don't think you're going to walk around and see like Mark Poole hanging on the wall of a restaurant. No. <laughs> no. So I, I definitely get what you're saying on that one. <laughs> and it, it does look really incredible. And it's really cool how even with the limitations of having to use public domain, Gabe and, and the guys that are designing the cards have done just a tremendous job from the time that the uh, the new card face was developed. And mm. you can see the progression even just in that time period. Yeah. And that was around, what, 2011? So a little over a decade now, you know, like 12, 13 years, you've got just so much that the game has improved on to where if you were to open up packs of every, and this is one thing that I've wanted to do like a video on, mm. is get like Magic the Gathering, their latest set, the latest, you know, couple of different cards and pop them mm -hmm. open out of the packs and redemption is in line with those things now. Yeah. But <laughs> I mean, like it's incredible, but you also walk in that line of not trying to be like other card games, but still using elements. Right. You, that's who you're competing with. If you're talking about, you want to use it as a potential ministry tool. Who are you targeting people that play card games? They're playing other card games. So you have to do things in line a little bit to where it right. doesn't feel like a knockoff when you come to this game. So, yep. That's where I, I feel like the motivation probably was from the outside looking at, you know, your time with Reliance Gaming, trying to get it in line with that so that someone doesn't come in and they're like, where can I buy cards? You can go to Cactus or you can go to Three Lines Gaming to buy singles and then right. that site be less less robust when you compare it to other card games. You wanted to make it in line with that is kind of the way that I saw saw that or yeah. assumed that was the way that it was intended. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's probably very accurate. So we've talked a little bit about the uh, or touched on pricing model, but what mm -hmm. what all went into that? Because it, from <laughs> from what other people have said and uh, the account and, and Chris Fashman is one of the guys that I go up to his tournaments throughout the year, like his state and regional tournaments. I love that guy. But Crash Fash, yeah, he <laughs> he talks about dude when when you had three lines game and he's like always adjust the price on something and it would make sense for the community. So like if a card was not being sold, but there was mm -hmm. some demand for it, mm -hmm. nobody should be paying 80 plus dollars for a babble. No. And that's no. just an example of a card that at one point was like way, way higher than probably it should have been or something. And then it stopped <laughs> selling. And then people were just buying packs to try to get it instead of Great. you know buying it at that price or trading for it within the community, but even on a smaller scale, a rare card that wasn't really played, maybe it was a rare in the set by name, but wasn't played that much. Didn't right. necessarily carry the same value as a rare that was played a lot. Yeah. And you started like opening Pandora's box of how you can price that, engage that with the demand of the community. And Chris has talked to me a lot about just kind of the way that you did that in your time. But 
what all what all went into trying to do that? You mentioned that it was a lot of work owning Three Lions Gaming. I assume yes. the pricing was kind of one of those things, at least until you got kind of a flow of it. Yeah, well, it, it's a matter of kind of establishing a plan and just, just letting it go, letting it work. Um, so, for instance, I would, you know, I, I established base prices for the rarities, and then I would establish basically based on what it was selling for originally. And then every month you would go, okay, so if it sold X amount of times, then it would go up X percent. If it, w- if it didn't sell the whole month, then it would go down X percent. And so it was just a matter of paying attention each month to the sales. It was the, the, the most work. And this is going <laughs> to, it's, it's funny. Like the most work really was just filling orders because we were, we were selling quite a bit, but it didn't, it, you know, it didn't take a lot to, to get you busy when you've got a room that has, you know, half a million cards in it. And then you have an order and you've got to go and you've got to pull all of that order individually. Um, eventually I got to a point where I was smart <laughs> and used binders that held, uh, like six or less, depending on how many sold of each card. So I just pulled out of binders instead of out of boxes finally, but just, it, it was that more than anything. It was the logistic side of it because it, like the pricing, once you establish the benchmark, it's just a matter of paying attention to it and then adjusting it. And then re, you know, you, you adjust your Excel spreadsheet and then once you export it into a PDF and reformat it, make sure it looks good and, and distribute it. I noticed that TLG is just doing the Excel spreadsheet now, which is probably smart. I probably should have done that back then. But I wanted to have something that was slick that someone could print off and be able to walk around. And for two reasons. Number one, I wanted people to be able to have a price list that was they knew when it was updated. Um, so they knew if they were looking at an old one or a new one. And it had Three Lions Gaming on it. So people were walking around with paper with three lines gaming on it at redemption tournaments at their church when they're hanging out with their youth group. You wanted or, them to print the plug. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, adverti- it was free advertising really. So making it printer friendly just seemed to make sense. How much or how long did it take to get that in place to where it was kind of running like a smooth system? You would just keep updating it based on sales. Did it take a little while for it to gain traction or was it kind of a yeah. quick moving thing? No, I mean, I don't know if it, how noticeable it was from the community side of it. The most difficult part was getting the website up and running. And then it, it was just, it was always very, um, there was so much stuff. And I think I, I tried to do the resolution of the images way too big. And so it was laggy. I had to kind of figure some of that stuff out. Not lackey, not, yeah, but laggy. Um, <laughs> That's another one of those redemption things. things you yeah, mentioned. yeah. But uh, yeah, so that side of it was was the most difficult was just kind of getting that website up and running which i feel like is part of the like the value that i brought to was that you could actually go and look up every single card and we had everything like i don't think there were cards that we didn't have available like you could literally purchase any card from three lions at the time or at least there for a while i think there there may have been times where we ran out of cards here and there but but that's when you knew the value needed to go up the price needed to go up i guess moving into that after you came in you got the pricing model in line with what you had or what you wanted to do. And then you had the pricing guide for the community. The next thing you wanted to bring to the community was that swag. We mentioned earlier mm-hmm. having that custom play mat at nationals, having yeah. shirts and 
other things and how however deep that you plan to get that but you were just trying to bring those cool items to the community what was your motivation for that like what what did you think overall like we talked about bringing it in line kind of with other card games yeah but i feel like it's almost one of those things to where like we're nerds we play a nerd game <laughs> like let's <laughs> let's take that and understand that we're coming from a certain we're coming from a certain jumping point already yes. um but then i feel like it's it's like getting deeper into that nerd thing to where like you feel like the sense of like coolness because you're yeah. wearing a shirt that brands the game that you enjoy playing your hobby. You've got the Three Lions gaming shirt on, yeah, stuff like that. What was the driving like? What did you hope that that stuff would do for the community? I think it's kind of like the the price list. It was it was something that a, a player would be at a local game store, and let's say they're not playing Redemption at the moment; they're playing another game. They have their play mat out, and it says. Redemption champion. <laughs> you know, people are like, what is that? It's just another open door. It's another opportunity to talk about the game, which may lead to an open door to talking about faith, may lead to an open door to someone asking about the hope that we have. And we're always, you know, we're told to always be ready to give a reason for the hope, right? Absolutely. And so it was just, I wanted to create some more open doors. And, and quite honestly, like, some of the playmats and stuff that were out, I'm just like, there were people bringing playmats um, into my store that I owned. And some of the stuff I was just like, that's, I don't know if I would even want to be seen with that <laughs> sitting in front of me. Um, <laughs> and so, like, what what are some things that we can put out that that someone who plays Redemption would be proud to have? And so we did the we did the Jesus playmat for the for that nationals, that first national tournament that I that I hosted. Um, in Middletown, and then uh, you know, just to keep it consistent, we did the same thing at the one we hosted in Houston, and I and I'm proud of both of them. I still, when I'm up at Comics Cafe playing Magic Commander on a Friday night with a group of people, I'm laying out my my national champion Redemption national or national tournament play mat, and people comment, "Man, that's really cool." Oh yeah, well this is this is a tournament we hosted. Oh yeah, really? Tell me about that. What's the game? You know, and so it, it just, it opens doors and that's really, that, that's really the entire motivation behind it. Yeah. It is cool to have swag. I, I love having stuff like that. And it, there was a little bit of like other games have it. Why don't, why wouldn't we have that? Why wouldn't we have, because people are all constantly, you know, concerned about their cards, making sure their cards are nice and they're, and people are bringing other playmats to tournaments for, for redemption. And it's like, it'd be neat if we had something that was for us. As a community. Yeah. And so did that. And I, and I know that uh, YTG has done some stuff um, that is really cool looking as well. Again, kudos to Derek for doing that. It, it's not, it's not cheap. I mean, it's, it's a, it's an investment to do that, but man, is it worth it? So it, two things, first of all, just so that we're transparent with this, um, you've mentioned Derek with your turn games. He yep. actually last year sold your turn games. Oh, did he? Yes, to a – he was already involved in the community, but his name's Andy Fish from Indiana, and he's taken oh. that and, and kept it going. But So that business has changed hands, and there hasn't been oh, really a drop-off with that. But oh. just so that you're aware. Um, I did not know that. For any, any context that might come up, but yeah. So and, it's it's running out of Indiana now? It is. Cool. And the guy that owns it, super awesome guy. Him and Derek still have kind of a, a solid relationship to where – the contender decks that they do, which is kind of like their introductory. Uh, They have challenger and then contender decks is like a step up for play 
Derek still yeah. helps make some of those, so it's not like a, he sold it and he's hands cool. off now. But Andy good, is the good for him. It's awesome. It seems like with and this kind of goes back to the top and all of your contributions to the game. It seems like that are outside of like maybe card design, and we we can talk about that in a little bit. But it seems like everything is done with an outreach mentality. You know, we started off the top of the the conversation mm-hmm. talking about using the game as a ministry tool. And it seems like where yeah, it's a t-shirt, it's a play mat that brands the game, lets you, you know, generate business for your brand, Three Lions mm-hmm. Gaming at the time. But it seems like really when you talk about creating those open doors and those opportunities to then speak and have a conversation with someone based off of those things, it seems like that's kind of a common thread for yeah. for all the things that you were doing. And then I guess another layer of that was, and this is kind of one of those things to where I guess you took a chance here and probably didn't feel like that big of a chance you were just trying to help out but you ended up making the decision to help sponsor a fan site for the game which was you know a project that Gabe brought and that was yeah. Land of Redemption and yeah. Land of Redemption is still an active hub and landing spot for different content for the game and hmm. you know it has the the reg you know all the all the links that you would need to as an advanced player or someone that's trying to research the game and that's still yeah. going but what was it like making that decision and getting the chance as as Three Lions Gaming, as like a, a stalwart in the redemption community, as you mentioned, you know, being founded by Doug Gray originally. Now you yeah. have that and you get to keep not yeah. just not just holding that torch, but like building the flame up a little bit by sharing and having the opportunity to help Gabe get that going and sponsoring it for several years after that, I, I would assume. Because they still have and, an active uh, sponsorship with Ken now. Yeah, and, and it, I mean, honestly, that was a that was an absolute no brainer. Like, we're gonna put some content up that's gonna be specific to Redemption. It's gonna be you know multifaceted. It's gonna be updated on a regular basis. Uh, yeah, I'll be happy to pay to, to be a part of that. I'll be happy to help with your fees that you're having to incur. I mean, it's not it's not a multi million dollar endorsement. But it's an endorsement of, it's 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 a solidifying of a relationship that was already there, um, yeah. Between yeah. that group of guys and between TLG and um, I know YTG is also listed on their website as a sponsor. It just makes sense for us for those that have a vested interest to group together and work together. Again, common interest. You know, we're trying to get the word out. And man, I <laughs> I, I love what what those guys do there. I. The unsung hero in all of this, I think, is Gabe and that leadership team. As much as I butt heads, like, I don't even know if they think of it that way, but as every time I would, here, has an idea, vomit an idea out, they would go, mm, no, thanks. <laughs> as, as much as I, at, at the moment, felt like, why aren't they listening? I wish they would just listen. Looking back, I go, they were so smart not to listen. <laughs> and and to to continue to do what they're doing is just it's cool. I mean, it's amazing. And I know it's tiresome. I know it's difficult. I know it's hard. I know they do other things for a living. And to to invest and to pour into it, it's it's it was an absolute no brainer to to be a part of that to to invest in it. So I guess kind of following that, a lot of a lot of the things that you did you were just the first to do and they've kind of grown since then. So that's kind of Mm -hmm. where a lot of the impact comes in, but 
you know, you, you sponsored them and now your turn games. I know at least sponsors two YouTube channels, you know, redemption with Jaden and then Rob M studios from, yep, from Rob, Rob M studios. M. Yep. They sponsor yep. them to help continue to generate content for the game. The podcast Fantastic. is actually sponsored by John early who now owns covenant games. Which, I was wondering if, and when that was ever going to happen. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, like you talking about just people with, you know, like-minded goals and, you know, trying to grow the game and working together. There's so much content for the game now that is sponsored, and I think a lot of that comes from, even if the decision was a no-brainer, you still made the decision and made the, you know, the choice to Mm -hmm. do that to show that you can, you know, work together and it's not like every every adventure or every venture that someone takes on for growing the Mm -hmm. game isn't a solo adventure. It can be a partnership, even if, your turn games and three lion game, they have the same, a lot of the same customers and they're yep. trying to compete for business. That's the way business works, but they can yeah. still come together and say, Hey, we're going to sponsor land of redemption and, you know, come together and partner with that. And it's really cool to see. And then just how that, you know, willingness to help kind of has grown because I can tell you on the podcast side, I mean, if we're, if we're talking about monthly fees, it's a, you wouldn't expect that it would be as much as it is in order to get right. a podcast on like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of those different directories. The cost right. to do that is significant when you talk about the fact that I tell my wife, hey, I'm spending money on cards. I'm spending money on all of the sound equipment already. Oh, by the way, now I need, you know, 40 plus dollars uh, of monthly fees to host yeah. a podcast yeah. and to yeah. have someone willing to step in and say, hey, I'll help you with that. That's, that's really cool to see, and I think it grows from kind of that attitude that you had of, you know, being willing to, you know, be the, the backing support of something that someone's trying to do that's new and, you know, put themselves out there. Yeah, absolutely. But, and and you, you alluded to the real unsung heroes, and that is our wives who put up with a hobby that consumes so much of our time. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and resources, because, they, I, and I, I don't know, I don't know if it's an understanding that it's either this or golf <laughs> and this is better because you know at least it's jesus but it it's one of those things where i know we've had those kind of discussions too you know my wife and i about well here we are and it's here's an investment that i have an opportunity to make is this something we want to do and you know there's there's a sense in which she understands kind of the goal she understands where where it's all headed to and gets behind it. So, and I, and I think that's a similar picture of, you know, supporting one another in the community, the way that, the way that you have described it. So, and congrats to John early for owning covenant. That's fantastic. Yeah. I guess that happened a year ago because we just came up on the first full year completing of him sponsoring the podcast. So, so did they just put Banny up in storage or what happened to him? Um, I think there's a partnership. Good for them. I don't, I don't know how it works. That's the, that's Good. the side I don't, I don't get into, but I think. You don't get into that, but that's cool. No, that's great. Yeah. I think long-term it's going to be John moving forward and Chris Banny is kind of stepping away as time progresses sure. in their arrangement. But it's nice to see, you know, that's another business that's been around for a while, changing hands to someone else younger that kind of came up with the game and then hopefully furthering that impact for a long time to come. Very cool. As long as Chris still comes to Nat to nationals and yells at people to get in to the room when it's time to start playing. Those are, those are classic <laughs> things you can't get away from. <laughs> so that guy. I guess uh, you alluded to being the first 
Nationals host that had some kind of live stream set up. And then I know that I saw, and I I couldn't go, I couldn't go back and find these. I don't know if they're no longer on YouTube or whatever, but I remember seeing at one point you had John Early's 2018 Nationals Mm -hmm. winning deck and you were doing a deck profile. And that's one of the first videos that I found because I was like, okay, well, what are the top decks when I came in as a player? And I found that. And so it was really cool that even a snapshot of at the time that I came in, this is like three years ago mm-hmm. for the 2016 tournament. And then 2018 was, you know, a couple of years before that. Um, or I guess the, the year before that, that was 2019. But mm-hmm. it seemed like you put a lot of importance. And this is, again goes back to the outreach of, you know, wanting to put the game out there to open those doors and whatnot. But you put a real right. strong focus on having content for the game and, you've been around other card games where fan created content is like, I mean, it's immeasurable for like magic, the gathering, you can go on YouTube, type that up and you're not going to struggle to find videos. If you go and type redemption, you know, you're going to come up with a couple of, you know, content sources from recent memory, you know, like Jaden and Rob doing their thing on YouTube, but there's not a lot of that. And there, there was even less, I guess in 2016 when you decided to do that. So how much of an impact were you hoping that that had and how important did you find it for the game to have some type of, you know, like, so a new player can go and find gameplay of right. the the biggest thing within the, the game is the community and the community. Their biggest thing is getting together at nationals that once a year thing to where you get right. to hang out with people and you get to yeah. put that out there on a platform to where people might just, you know, pass by and see it. So to yeah. speak. Well, and it- and I know you're not gonna you're not gonna necessarily convey the sense of community through a video like that. Um, although you know there there was a sense that you know if, if there are people that aren't able to be there, and, I, and I've been there before, where you you want to go but you can't. And so, how cool would it be if people that wanted to be there and wanted to experience a piece of it could jump online and watch a game or two and just kind of at least have a sense of you know being a part of it in a small way. The other side of that, though, and it's something that uh, kind of a criticism I have for the redemption community a little bit is that we're very, very close to the vest when it comes to our play de- our, our our deck lists, um, which I think is weird, mainly because pretty much every other game you can go and you can find top ten, top twenty deck lists at major tournaments where there's lots of money on the line. You can get everything. You know exactly what they're playing. You know exactly what's included. And I I don't know. I, I've always felt that it was weird that we don't do that. I think we're we're almost trying to kind of keep it to ourselves, trying to have a surprise. And I and I know you're always gonna ha- you're always gonna have surprises. There's always gonna be people that are up at three AM the night before type one at Nationals <laughs> building a deck. And it's not going to be put out there because they didn't even know they were going to play it right. until that, like, five hours before the tournament starts. I get that. But the stuff where you get to a national tournament and there have been regionals and states and, and yet no clue. There's there's inklings. You know, if you if you know who to listen to on the message boards, um, you, you can kind of get kind of an idea that there's something out there that's being played, but you don't really know. And so for, you know... To, to get John Early, for instance, to allow us to do a profile of his deck was a really cool thing for me because if I'm a new player, 
I want to play like John Early plays. And the first step to doing that is to know what he's playing. Now, here's the thing. Maybe maybe a lot of us don't realize this, but because I had all the cards in the game. At, at one point, I think I had six of every single card. Every alternate. Like, you know in Apostles, where some of them got printed with a fish face in one way and the fish face yep. in the other way? I had all the variations. Every single card. All the error cards. The ones that don't even have, like, in the women's set that didn't have, like, the numbers. Like, I had six of all of those. I had every card in the game, and I couldn't make a deck to win. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't matter what the cards were. I, I could have built any deck, but I wasn't winning. It, it, it's not about the person who... It's not about the deck. It's about the person. Yeah. It's about them figuring out how to play and if it works with their play style and if they're good at playing that particular... And they ha- if they have good intuition when they're playing, if they can read their opponent. There's so much more that goes into it. And so, for me, it was more... It was good to have content. But I wanted the content to be stuff that would kind of open up some of the stuff that seemed to have been veiled. Yeah. To use a wanted, somewhat spiritual. You wanted analogy. to tear the veil. <laughs> yeah. Rip the rip the veil top to bottom. Let me let me tell you that and this might be another thing to where like we can keep talking about the impact that you had based on you starting something and it moving forward. Mm-hmm. I would say that since I came in, I remember in 2019 it being exactly how you described, like nobody really knew what other people were playing. Like even when I went to a local tournament or a district tournament at Jay and Jeremy's and like, these are, these are my boys in, in state that like we talk to back and forth and they show up and you don't know what they're going to play. And then you, you don't want to tell them what you're going to play because then they're going right. to use that to know what to put in their deck to counteract you. <laughs> Uh, and that's just a microcosm of like it on a bigger scale would be even yeah. more, even more, I guess, shut off for new players coming in. But mm-hmm. I can tell you that in the last, in the last two years, that has been flipped completely on its head to where wow. there is, there is even a, a discord. So we have the main discord for redemption. There's another one called Zerubbabel's Temple and okay. it is literally just all kinds of deck list. And there's ones from like last season mm-hmm. where people are trying to identify the top archetypes and fully flesh out what the meta is by based, based on you knowing what people are playing. Last week, right. I got to share um, tournament results from some state tournaments that happened. And okay. yeah, uh, well, actually, one of them was a regional, ter- but state and regional tournaments. That happened last week, and not only yes. did I get to share the results on the podcast, but people mentioned what deck they were playing, and then some of those deck lists, you know, have been shared in the past, and there've just been tweaks since. But there's an openness with with deck building now, and all of that started with, I guess, last uh, season before last, so mm-hmm. 2021. There was a combo that came out to where they used an interaction with Pig's Lost Soul and a reprint of Love at First Sight that could not be. Mm-hmm. Um, negated by an evil card to where it shuffled your hand and then you drew eight cards or whatever. Shuffle your hand, draw eight cards. But Mm -hmm. pigs also is a neutral card, so it can't be negated. So you can negate the draw but force them to shuffle their hand. So it was basically a a complete NPE, negative play experience, of you Uh, sit down. Yeah, I know what NPE is. They get you to shuffle your hand and you can't, you get the three cards on your turn to try to get back in the game, but you're not getting back in the game. Right. And that was shared and openly shared in enough time for people to try to deck build against it to where that deck didn't even win nationals. 
as strong as okay. it was, being able to do that turn one, I'm talking about turn one, <laughs> 90% clip of being able to pull this combo off, and oh it didn't goodness. win. Josh Potratz built a counter deck to it and was able to be effective against enough things that other people were playing. And that was yeah. a smaller tournament because it was coming off of COVID still, and it was in right. Texas. Not a lot of people traveled um, still with all of the travel restrictions and things, but it was a smaller tournament. But even though that and was the Texas. that was the, yeah, <laughs> even though that was the best best deck by far as far as what it was trying to accomplish and being able to set it up, it didn't right. win because it was openly shared and people planned for it. And right. that doesn't happen if you're still in the you know the time period that you're mentioning to where people are still holding that close to the vest. And right. then another interaction with a new card kind of allowed someone to get a bunch of card value and basically draw through most of their deck early on in the game. <laughs> and that was from last tournament season, and it was shared, and they ended up fixing it to limit it. But it was openly yeah. shared and tested to try to find what the solution would be. Community was involved with that. So I definitely see the the validity of what you're saying about how people used to be close to the vest. Cause when I came in, it was like that, but I've gotten to see progressively over the time that now, if you want to know what someone's playing with a, when they are winning tournaments, it's not hard to find out. There's so yeah. much like online gameplay now yes. or like Jaden sharing what he's playing in tournaments. That's half his videos is, you know, this is what I'm playing in a tournament. <laughs> There's a lackey grand prix now to where we're playing consistently online so other players can jump in and you can play cards that maybe you don't even own yet in an unofficial tournament and this is like where you play one matchup a week type of thing yeah then there's one that's done over zoom and discord and it just lets everybody engage with that and there's so much of that gameplay coming out that nobody's able to efficiently hide a deck without just not playing it right so i think that there's been a lot of positive um change in that regard and Maybe that started with, you know, trying to get a John Early deck and open it up. And Well, I, I just think over time you, you kind of realize that it's a little ingrown at that point. Yeah. <laughs> and, and something needs to change. And, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I was the first one or the only one to, to, to think about that. But I'm, I'm really encouraged by what you're talking about because the, the, the online availability and um, just being able to have a community where you don't have to be face-to-face, so to speak. I still love that element of it, but there's so much stuff that that is there's so many possibilities. And again, it goes back to the whole thing about people allowing their talents to come to bear on the game, you know, using their passion, people speaking up and, you know, starting a discord or starting a lackey tournament and keeping the all the tabletop online tabletop stuff up to date and bug free. And I know that's not easy either. So definitely, um, I think overall it's a healthier thing for the game. So I can, I can yeah. see where you're saying that it used to be and, and knowing where it is now. And I think it's, it's come a long way, but I guess shifting gears to now your, your tournament hosting and okay. you know, the, the couple of nationals that you hosted, we'll start first with the 26 tournament and that featured the release of cloud of witnesses. And I have been told that in the past, like long ago, that the warrior set saved the game because it was at a point yes. to where it was, it was not very engaging and people were yeah. stepping away. And then the warrior set came out and created a lot of excitement, new things in the game. Incredible. And then 
I've also heard that Cloud of Witness is like the second, you know, set that had the the ability to quote unquote possibly have saved redemption because mm-hmm. there was new leadership taking over. There was a lot of that um, overturn with elders and it was a set that needed to do well coming off of early church and persecuted church. They needed a, yeah. they needed a lot of a, like a jolt of excitement for the community and cloud of witnesses was that it had alternate borders release at nationals. Uh, <laughs> just a, a lot of fun things around that tournament. So what do you remember about the 2016 national tournament? And then like, how important do you think that, having that cloud of witness set and, and just that experience reignite the fan base was to the game. Hmm. Um, the, the, the set, I, you, you bring in back memories, bring back memories with that warriors comment. Um, well, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a, uh, that was the set that was the most recent set that was out when I started was warriors. Um, and so I remember the kind of the resurgence, uh, that I heard about, cause I, I was not, I was, I guess I was part of the resurgence. Like I started getting interested in the game because of it, but I wasn't around to see kind of the down downturn, but certainly, you know, after early church persecuted church, it was like, they were, they were trying to do new things. Like you introduced a, a brand that was it two brand new brigades. Um, uh, is that right? Yeah, Maybe. there was, there was anyway. clay. I know for sure. Clay. And then teal had recently been, put in um so anyway it, it there was just there was excitement around that but it was like it was almost like not not enough um and so when cloud of witnesses came out and i remember just hearing all the cool stuff we were going to get to kind of see for the first time at nationals and going dude i'm hosting nationals where this stuff is going to happen this is going to be so awesome <laughs> yeah I, I i was such i was such a fanboy <laughs> <laughs> As I, you know, just being able to be a part of that and, um, bringing it back to Ohio was, was fun. Like I said, we, we had hosted in Columbus. Gosh, I'm trying to remember how far ago that, how long ago that was, but that was, uh, that was at least maybe four years prior to that. Um, maybe even earlier, but being able to bring it to Ohio pretty much, I mean, it's kind of like Knoxville in a sense, like it's, it's central ish, um, to the player base. It's a little North, um, for the Southern guys, but it's an, it's a much, uh, welcomed kind of closeness to those guys that are up in the North. Um, and so it was a good spot location wise. And had we stayed in Ohio, I, I think we may have kind of created some kind of arrangement in a, in a similar way that Fashman has where, you know, it's going back there every few years, um, just because it's so centrally located and Chris knows what he's doing. Um, so I think had we stayed there, we may have been, Anyway, it's not about what had, what could have been. It's about what is. Um, and what is so hosting come. it was, <laughs> yeah, hosting it was something that I don't know that I really appreciated what what it meant to the community until after the fact. Um, I just know for me it was it was a ton of fun to have my redemption family in town. <laughs> like like I didn't have to go to them; they came to me this time, which was really cool especially considering like a nationals or two before that we had taken a van to Minnesota and we were about an hour and a half out and our van broke down. And so we had to like get people to come from nationals to come get us and drive us there. So it was really nice for people to come to us and we didn't have to worry about van troubles, (laughs) (laughs) but again, it's, it's the community aspect. It's the, some of the things that we were doing with the streaming, it was the commentary. It was just, 
it was it was just trying to have as much fun as we could in the midst of having the event. Um, I know that the the Ark Encounter um, was opening right about that same time, um, and so I thought it'd be cool. Some of the some of the offsite things that we had offered or told people about where you know you can go down to the Ark Encounter and check that out as a family or go down as for as part of a vacation. I think there were some people that did that, but tying that national promo to that idea um, and then getting Doug Gray to do the art. So we're not only are we bringing the tournament to Ohio where Doug Gray is, but also getting him to do the art for the card was just extra special. And then he came and hung out with us for a while. And people got to meet Doug and it was just, it, it was a really, really special thing. I, again, it, it's an appreciation for the kind of the history of the game. And I, I really feel like during the tournament, I, I was just kind of a, a fan of the game more than a tournament host. Like I was making sure everything was working, but at the same time, I was just being a fan of the game and being a part of the community and just... I don't know. I just loved every minute of it. It was so much fun. Yeah. Doug's one of those that I've got on the, the short list of people that I would love to bring onto the podcast at some point. Yeah. He would be cool. Yeah. Just knowing, and that goes back to, you know, I talked before about how it seems like you take pride in the fact that like being involved in the game, especially with the title of like three lions gaming attached to it at the time and, mm. and whatever. But what was the timing for you owning three lions gaming? Did you own that? How soon before 2016? Because that's one of the things that never really gets told is like when you take over, uh, yeah. when you took over Three Lions Gaming from Ken the first time, how soon after did you host the Nationals and, and get to be involved here? So I, I bought, okay, I have to go through the timing in my head here. So I bought Gym City Games in 2011. I owned it for three years. So 11 to 12, 12 to 13, 13 to 14. So I sold it in 14 and either bought TLG late in 14 or in 15. So it wasn't that far removed, but yeah. So I'm, I'm going to say it was 15. So it was probably a year prior. It was the year prior. So in 2015, myself and two of my buddies got in a truck, drove to Phoenix, Arizona, picked up all of the redemption product from Ken dropped off a check and drove back in a span of 48 hours. <laughs> that was probably a, a fun road trip in essence, but that was probably a lot of work moving all those cards that you mentioned he had. That that was hard work. No, but the really funny part was though, like, and, and this is not to minimize at all, but Ken's inventory, like when I brought it to the house, I was like, okay, like I already had more stuff. <laughs> like more cards um, than, than he had in his inventory. Like I already had that. Um, it, it was a sealed stuff that I didn't have. So, but it like, we, it was a, it was a pickup truck that we went to pick up stuff in. So it wasn't a ton of stuff, but it was, it was the, the, the really, the, the coolest part was they were these custom drawer units that I think his dad um, or his father-in-law made for him, for that company. And that that was it was stored in these two like I don't know five foot tall uh, drawer units that had about five or six drawers per unit 
So it wasn't a ton of stuff as far as singles goes, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was a harrowing journey. <laughs> it was like we, we rented a, a hotel room in La Quinta at a La Quinta um, and slept for like four hours before we had to get up and go over to the house when we said we were going to meet him and pick up the stuff and then immediately hit the road. So if, if you don't have friends like that, get you some. Yeah. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> and those friends that you mentioned, were they, were they ones that you met through the game? No, uh, no, these okay. are two buddies. These are two buddies from the church um, who think I'm a nerd and are like, you're weird. Why do you play this game? But they're also like road trip. Definitely. Well, see those, <laughs> those friends though, the ones that'll call you weird for playing a card game. I've got, yeah. everybody's got those friends. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. So you ended up buying this and the year later you hosted nationals and then you mm-hmm. were able to bring that original artwork for Noah's Ark. And that is, that is the pride and joy of Mr. J chambers having that, that whole deck strategy that revolves around that card. Yeah. With the, the flood survivors. He loves that thing. And that's actually one of the decks that's doing really well this tournament season. That's featuring huh. flood survivors and they've done like Sadducees and a couple of other thematic defenses that do soul hiding. So like they let you under yeah. deck souls and, He's paired that up and he's, he's rolling with it. So that card is actually getting some burn right now. That's cool. It is really cool. Um, and I know that John early has the, uh, I think you had the artwork printed and had people sign to, uh, yeah. when they got to nationals and he's gotten that from you and he's got that. I know that he's talked about that, yeah. but he owns the original artwork, the, yeah. the painting, like it's actual painting. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I feel like you being the driving force for getting, artwork into the game is something that I've been told a lot about, you know, like obviously we've got this cool artwork already, but then being able to bring in a couple of different original pieces to the game. So how, how much did you focus on that and and want to do that stuff? And how cool was it just being able to be involved with bringing that to the game? Uh, Just, I I thought that getting Doug involved would make a ton of sense. Um, It was a, it was an anniversary tournament. If I remember that correctly. Was it like, was it 20th? I forget what we're at now. I, I think I saw, tr- trust me, I've been on the message boards. People are seeing my name <laughs> pop up on the message boards. They're like, who is, wait, what? Um, but I, I forget what we're at now as far as number of nationals. But it was it was one of those, you know, kind of important numbers of nationals. And I really wanted to to get him to create something for the game. Um, and he was... Very, very easy to work with, was more than willing um, to be a part of that. And, you know, the artwork side, getting that just just made sense. It made sense for the community. Again, just an acknowledgement of the past and appreciation for the future and kind of creating something for the now. But the other one that that we got um, that I I didn't commission, I just bought the rights to, uh, was the one from... Majestic Heavens, um, and we actually used that as the artwork for the Nationals. Uh, that was the National promo in Houston, and it was also we we did the playmat using that artwork. Um, and that was just that was just something that I that I got from I, I got on um, Deviant Art uh, and found a guy that was doing art that I that I really liked and. Just shot him a message. Said, "Look, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'd love to do with this particular piece of artwork that you have. Are you willing to to let us do that?" And we 
you know, just set up an arrangement, uh, send him payment and we're good to go. So, um, it, for me, it was just, I was trying to make nationals something special. Like it's cool that we have national promos that are like a reprint of a son of God or, you know, it's just, but it's, it's like, that's okay, but let's do something cool. Let's do something different with, with the promo. Let's see if we can't make it, make it something. And maybe I'm misremembering now that I think about Majestic Heavens. I, don't, I can't remember if that was a national promo or if we used it for a different level promo. I think it was a seasonal promo in the end. Seasonal was what it was. Yeah. The other, the one we did was Everlasting Ground. Yeah. Whirlwind Everlasting Ground. Whirlwind Everlasting Ground. Yeah. Which was a callback to the previous year's hurricane um, <laughs> in Houston. So. The more you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, so really it's just it's just a desire to to do something special for the nationals. Try to try to make the national promo not just another a reprint, but do something cool with it. And I, I think and maybe maybe this is inaccurate, but I think that they try to do that with the hosts. Um, especially those that, that have a I mean, I don't think they have hosts for a national tournament that don't have a vested interest in the game. I think there is at least some discussion of what would, you know, what would you like the promo to be? What, how would you like for it to look? And maybe it was just me. Maybe I was just pushy and like, they didn't want to deal with me. So they're like, <laughs> just getting in. But, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was not really about the art as much, as much as it was trying to make the experience of nationals something that was memorable because, Honestly, the hosts that I have gone to the tournaments of, you know, I'm thinking of John McAleeshan with the create your own promo card. That was so cool. Now, is it realistic? Is it a good idea going forward? I don't know. Maybe not, but it was so much fun. The national tournament hosts tend to always put some of themselves in the event so that you walk away, not only having, having had a great time playing the game, but like you get to feel like, you know, the person a little bit more. Yeah, that's understandable. Um, I haven't gotten to see it a ton because I've only been to two nationals, but I definitely get the differences with those being one was hosted by Roy, who is <laughs> you you said he's a force. <laughs> and then Roy. and then Gabe as well. But yeah. uh something funny enough about your Majestic Heavens is that I have and, and unless someone else has printed them on their own. I have two foil versions of the tokens that one's for Old Testament, one's for New Testament. And I have that because Gabe was testing foil promos for the national promos for last year's nationals. And in the build up to that, that was one of the things he had tested. And so he he gave them to me. So I have actually that artwork in foil, which is really cool because even though those foil cards are not official, Right. I can technically play mine in an official deck because they're just tokens and tokens can be represented from anything. Exactly. So technically mine's legal, which is really cool. Yeah. That's but awesome. They look really good too. Great artwork for being foil. Uh, oh, I can imagine. Oh yeah. 2016 also was the, the year that for the first time, not only did you have the promo for participating in nationals, but you had the winner promos, the full yes. art. And so right now, I don't know how much you've kept up with it or knew about it as being the top card in the game, but 2016 son of God is like the, it's like the 
creme de la creme. <laughs> it is. Is that the foil? Uh, it's not foil, uh, but it's it's I, the full art of that uh, Dore Gustave Dore art. Okay. Um, yeah. That has Jesus reaching down, but that one, it's like one of those that it was done so early on in these promos being made available that it's, you know, it's it's the priciest card that's in the game, and I was yeah. able to last year get a copy of that. I bought John Early's copy, and it's one of my most prized possessions now. But those, you know, the whole the whole chase that I had of getting to build out an entire collection coming in in 2019, and I was able to go back and try to chase all of those cards and put together a winner promo set. And I've done it. I've got all of those cards, and it's really cool. Wow! But all of that started here, also at 2016, to where you're talking about creating that yeah. just experience that once you're a part of it, it's like a memory that you're always going to have, and you can always look back on. It's in your your file cabinet, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. So what was it like having those cards for the first time there, you know, being the host on it, you getting to hand <laughs> people those cards for the first time. And then yeah. what did you think about those cards for the the game and, you know, their long-term value that they bring to the game? Well, it's, it's one of those things where you're like, finally, okay, this is so cool. <laughs> like, like why not? What, what's the, what's the harm in creating? It's not that they're special in the sense that, it's a card that no one else can get their hands on. And so you're the only one that's able to play, play this card. No, it's, a, it's another treatment of a card that everyone's got. Yeah. And so it just, it adds just that another level of excitement. And, and the reality is it also helps those guys who invest a lot of themselves into playing. Some of those guys end up being able to recoup some of their costs because some people want those cards and they sell them. So that they can recoup some of their travel costs or, you know, so even though that, you know, maybe this has changed too, but historically there have not been like financial gain, any kind of prizes that you get. You just get cards and packs and a pat on the back and a picture with Rob um, and, and a trophy if you're, if you're really good and you get RNRS points, but it it's something where those guys can actually if they if they do well, they can sell spent stuff and recoup some of their costs. But for everybody, everybody else, you know, when you're doing the participant promo, I thought it was so weird when I first started going. My first tournament, my first nationals was in Kansas City, and we drove from Ohio to Kansas City overnight. Got there super early, and when we went inside and registered that next morning, they handed you a stack of promos. I'm like, why am I getting these? I didn't do anything. Like it, well, it's your you, participation you get, trophy. <laughs> you, you get all the, yeah. Well, you get all the promos. What do you mean? All the promos, well, all the national promos up to this point. And to me, I was like, okay, that's weird. Cause I, I, you know, I've, I've looked online. I know how much these cards are, <laughs> you know, or, or maybe I already bought one of these cards and now I'm kind of annoyed that I <laughs> got a free, a free copy, but it, no, but it, it's another one of those things where the, the generosity of Rob, um, and you know, I, I I still remember turning in packs, empty packs, to get free packs from Rob. This may be something you don't you're not familiar with. But back in the day, you could take foil packs and cut the UPCs off and send them in, and if, if for every ten you got a free pack, he would send you a free pack. Yeah, that's that's not something I was aware of. What other card game did that? But it was it was a it was a 
it was a, just a, a picture of the generosity of Rob and his desire to bless the community. And I really feel like that's what those kind of cards were. They were, they were uh, to the community that had asked for them. Cause a lot of folks were like, why can't we have full art cards? That'd be really cool. Why can't we do full art promos? That'd be really cool. And I think Rob and the leadership team do a really good job of listening to that and gauging. Okay. What can we do? What, what part of this can we do? And not do more damage than good. And then they do as much as they possibly can. Which, and and, and like you said, I, I got to be a part of that in 2016. Got to be a part of people having these promos and going, wow, this is so cool. And being able to have, you know, when you host, you get you get some some in, uh, extra incentives. Like you get a, a set of the, the promos that you get to have. And it's like, oh, this is really cool. Because you don't really get to play. Like you're, you're not, you're not playing. You could, but you're, you're not really playing. So you get it. You get to be a part of that just as much as anybody else does. But again, like, like I, I, I feel like I'm kind of a, a broken record here where I keep saying, you know, it's, it's just a, a picture of the generosity and the love for the community and, you know, just listening and, and doing what they can to, to bless the community. Yeah. And then, you know, you're looking at the roots page there and, and the community blesses them right back. Absolutely. Now, those promos have grown, mm-hmm. obviously, over the years. And, and one of the other requests was, I know TXP uh, came in foils, and the community mm-hmm. has been like, hey, it'd be really cool to get foils. So last year, promos got the foil treatment. And then oh, this year, so they're cool. they're working on doing that again. But if oh. you'll check your messenger, I just sent you what the first place promo is going to be. It's going to be the first ever textless son of God, because you know what the card does in the game. So now uh-huh. they can feature the artwork completely and not have the ability on it. And when you play it, you know what it does. And that's going to be in foil. And that is going to be the first place promo for this year. And that Dude. thing is awesome. And I know it's the, Dude. it's the third time they've used that artwork, but it's still yeah, awesome I love that artwork. because that's, yeah, I've got card sleeves with that artwork <laughs> and in foil, that's going to look sick. Yeah. So that is, that is just kind of the, the progression that those cards have taken since 2016, that that's where we're at now. Wow. And it's, it's going to be fantastic. I'm really hoping <sighs> that uh, Jeremy Chambers can carry me to another win in team so that I can get one. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm hoping. <laughs> uh-huh. Cause we won last year and he, uh, he, he won and I was just there. <laughs> <laughs> you just observed. Yeah. I was a, I was a, a <laughs> I was a witness to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Congratulations, by the way. Thanks. You obviously are a two-time national host, and this is something I found out very late. You know, I told you I had to retool the questions. Mm-hmm. I did not even yeah. know that you hosted 2018. Or, I'm sorry, yeah, 2018. So, 2016 I knew about, and 2018 is the one that, you know, they mentioned that you hosted as well. And I was like, I, mm-hmm. I didn't know that, but obviously digging further, that's when you moved to Texas and kind yep. of got information on that. But how would how was that experience? Because that's one that I don't have as much um, knowledge of. Because there's not, you know, Jay Chambers telling me, "Dude, this was the greatest tournament of all time," and just talking your ear off about how. <laughs> and you know, Jay, you know he can talk your ear off. Um, oh yeah, but he talks so much about the 2016 tournament, and I've got all of those recollections uh, recollections from him and from yeah. others about that one. But 2018 is one that I don't have much basis for, so. What was that yeah. tournament like? And then in comparison to 2016. 
I mean, it, 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 it paled in comparison to 2016 just because there, there were not, not as many folks there. Um, and it was like, yeah. So, I mean, kind of, it sounds like maybe the, the last tournament in Texas is maybe similar in feel. It's just a long way out here. I mean, it's even like, even if you, you're, you live on the border of Texas, it's still a long way. Yeah. <laughs> like it's a long drive. Um, and, and it's not that it's hard to fly in. I mean, we've got two airports, but three, if you count Austin, which is, you know, sometimes even a good option, but it, it was, it was a good tournament. It was in the sense that nothing, nothing was controversial. Nothing was difficult. We didn't have any, you know, any snafus. There wasn't really anything bad. Um, but it was just, it was, it was not, it was not 2016. I guess that's a fair assessment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just, it just, I don't know. It, it was the, our, the venue at, at Spring Creek is not nearly the size that, that the venue was in Ohio. Um, in the, in Ohio, we were in a giant, like a full size gym and in, in Texas where everything is not necessarily bigger in Texas. Um, <laughs> So we were in like a church fellowship hall. So it was, it was not um, a huge space, but it was, I mean, it was still, it was still a good time. It was just, it was not 2016. 2016 was so unique in, in so many ways. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, tw- it, to be real honest, um, 2018 is kind of a blur for me. Um, thinking back on it. Just because so much has happened since then, um, with all the thing, all the challenges we faced in 2020 and and going forward, and just as a church trying to navigate that and figure out how we were going to continue to be the church in the midst of all the weirdness, um, and so and then also just school has kind of scrambled my brain a little bit as far as remembering remembering that stuff. What I do remember is just the the community. Roy, obviously, in town. Uh, I mean, or he's, he's in San Antonio, but he's close. Um, the the guys from Dallas uh, being a big part of that. But yeah, it it there may be some folks who had. I, I, mean, I know, for instance, like our whole play group. This was their first experience with the national tournament. Was was the one that we hosted, um, and so I think there was a sense in which they didn't really appreciate what we had. <laughs> Like they had never had the experience of driving to Knoxville, sleeping in in a sketchy red roof inn, and <laughs> which I am glad I'm glad they have changed their suggested hotel. Good job, Chris. Do uh, not stay on Chapman Highway. <laughs> Do not. Yeah, yeah. That's it's a little yeah, it's a little sketchy. Um, but I, I think there was a there was a, a a bit of kind of taking it for granted from our play group especially. And I think when we were in Ohio, there wasn't a lot of that. Like our, our group had traveled a lot. And so they knew what they were getting. Um, they knew the benefit that they were receiving from having it close. Also, I guess, and maybe, maybe this doesn't play into it, but if you had just taken over three lines gaming and, you know, the <laughs> next year, 2016, that yeah. was, that was kind of like, you were still in that uh, early yeah. getting deep into your involvement with the game. And then 2018, you were probably, already juggling so many roles with the game that it just, when you say it's a blur, you're probably just yes. busy and yeah. and you weren't able to take it in the moment. Like you were 2016. If I had to guess knowing how, yeah. 
how you get when or, or like yeah. how I get when I'm busy and trying to, you know, juggle something where it it might be an important thing, but it's kind of just a blur for me because I'm just trying to get through it. Like it's another thing on the calendar. Um, so I, <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's a fair assessment. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, moving on to another, another role that you did was being involved with the elder team. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I knew of other accounts of you helping with, you know, playtesting or, or coming up with some card design elements, but I didn't know that you actually were officially on the elder team. If you, if you mm-hmm. will, you know, in that official yeah. role, but that was something that I learned when, you know, researching and, and trying to come up with, you know, questions for the podcast here. And that's another thing that I don't think a lot of people that have come into the game since maybe know, but you mm-hmm. were an elder and you were involved with a lot of the set design and, and at least, you know, you, you might've told them 10 bad ideas for them to get one good idea. Like we talked about, but <laughs> you were, you were one of the dudes. Yeah. So what was that experience like being able to be part of that team? I, I don't know. I feel like I was one of the elders that was uh, constantly on probation. <laughs> well, that mean, that might mean you're doing something right. Pushing the envelope a little bit. <laughs> well, and I, I don't even know. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I, I struggle with imposter syndrome a lot. Um, in in pretty much every role that I fill or try to fill, um, I struggle to 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 really believe that I kind of belong and should be there. And you called that kind of Im- feel like imposter syndrome. <laughs> imposter syndrome, where you feel like you're in disguise and you're sitting in the room and everyone doesn't really know you. <laughs> when I compare that, like my job, I went from being one of the guys to the guy in that top role management for our site. And it's a, a warehousing business. We're a distributor, but like yeah. the next person, like the person I answer to lives in Lincoln, Maine and I'm in Tuscaloosa, oh, wow. Alabama. And then the <laughs> HR office and the headquarters is in green Bay, Wisconsin. So I don't really have anyone that oversees me directly. Like I'm the dude. And, You're the guy. And I feel like when I first took over and I feel more comfortable, comfortable with it now. But when I first took right. over, I was like, does the, these people know what they're doing <laughs> and it's worked out since. So I'm, I'm, I'm thankful yeah. for that, but that's, you know, when you talk about imposter syndrome, maybe that's, that's my experience of that. Yeah. And, and I, I, you know, being, being in the, in the midst of those meetings, um, you know, several hours at the time, it wasn't really zoom. Uh, we were, we weren't that fancy, but you know, just online calls where you're, you're talking, working through spreadsheets and you're, you know, just talking shop, thinking about things that might work, that might not work. Um, everybody taking on different responsibility. I mean, there's a lot that goes into that, that there's, that I had very little appreciation for, um, before I got into it that, you know, it's like, wow, okay. There's, there's actually a lot of work, a lot of work going into the cards and then, you know, just, just trying to make sure that you're not creating a monster that you can't somehow control later. Um, as far as power creep and mechanics thing, you know, try I'm really glad about rotation because it helps. It's going to help that group tremendously because they're going to be able to go, okay, we, we have a specific set of cards that we have had some kind of input on. So kind of, if there's an error, if there's something messed, messed up, it's ours. We own it. We got to do something about it. Whereas before it was like, well, but there's these other cards and we don't really know what that ability means anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and so. <laughs> Sounds like booster um, draft. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, wait, what is this? What what does that even mean? But I, I really, really enjoyed the time. I'm I'm thankful again for the trust that I was given to to run with some stuff and to try different things. Um I really loved the side where we we go, okay, scripturally speaking, what does this mean? Or how can we make the gameplay reflect in a way what is being conveyed? Because really it's it's almost like you're you're interpreting Kind of in the same way that someone is creating like a translation, like you're translating scripture into a game and you're trying to make it make sense somehow. Um, now, obviously, you have all kinds of anachronism when you're doing that because you're, you know, you're having Goliath fight the Apostle Paul. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it actually wouldn't ever happen in real life. Anyway, but the the side of it where, you go, okay, here's the scripture. Or the, I think there was something you mentioned that, that they went ahead and uh, adopted more fully now is this idea that something can be dual, dual testament, which, you know, I, I love that because that reflects the, the ways in which scripture refer, references itself, the, the interconnectedness between the Old and New Testament, the way the New Testament writers constantly refer to the Old, and the way that the Old foreshadows what would be coming in the new and to be able to reflect that in a card is just such a cool thing to go okay here's here's an idea it's in both check it out yeah and that was your original idea our suggestion at the time right it was something that i was pushing heavily for i don't know if i was the one that first came up with it but i definitely was pushing heavily for it thinking this is a really good idea let's do this and i think that's one of the things that whether it was your original thing or you just pushing for it but that's one of the things that has really help tie things together and not just make it about, Oh, this character doing this, but why does this character do this? And then if right. you're using it as that tool of it's got a reference here, now you can go and check the references and see why that applies to this card. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you only get as deep into that stuff of it and using it as a, a ministry or a learning thing, or, you know, choosing to do that, you get as deep as you want to, you can play it and not go that route and, and whatever, but knowing that yeah, it's absolutely. there on the card, and then that it showcases where yeah. scripture ref, uh, refers back to itself and just the layers of, if yeah. you want to get deep into that story and find out about that character, mm -hmm. you can. And, and there are absolutely things I know scripturally that I probably would not be as aware of if it wasn't for the game of redemption. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm pretty like sure. Where, where, where was the pit that Joseph was thrown into? Well, it's in Dothan. Yeah. How do you know that? Well, there's a card called pit of Dothan. <laughs> Yeah, and then there's like Saf. Who is Saf? Who is Ish yeah. Ish Benabob <laughs> and yeah. his spear? Who's Bob Ish? Who who is that? <laughs> yeah, then a guy that's kind of Bob. No, no. Yeah, did you know Goliath had brothers? I know their names. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah. funny. So I guess along that same vein of you, you know, pushing for things, and you said you kind of uh, would throw crazy stuff. And we've mentioned that you were involved with Majestic Heavens. And mm -hmm. Gabe, Gabe actually mentioned to me when I reached out to him and asked him for some, you know, some help, you know, having a direction for how to, how to prepare for this. But he said that you were one of the people, or the person pushing really big for tokens in the game. Mm -hmm. And that it came in kind of late on Cloud of Witness and it was tabled for the, the yes. Lock of Christ set. And then they released that with GOC, which was the latest set that's released to this date until nationals. 
um, when the new set will come out. But tokens have been involved in the game. Majestic Kevin's was kind of like a test per se. Yes. To see how the community would like it. And I guess there was not complaints. The community was okay with it. And then now it's full force. Like we're creating tokens in the game and it's kind of a, a a new design space for the game. So what was it like coming up with that idea and wanting to do that? And I'm guessing that that's probably something where you looked at it at other card games and you were like, Oh, we could do that here. And that's where you kind of learn from our peers, so to speak. Absolutely. Well, and it was, it was, it comes from two places one, yeah, it was definitely learning from the peers going, okay, tokens are something that one, they don't have to be official cards. So it opens up the opportunity for other people to create special tokens that they could distribute with their stuff. So from, from a three lions perspective, it was three lions can print tokens if we have tokens and we can give them away with our orders. And so there'll be three lions tokens floating around in, in the, in the gaming community. Um, but it was also, I, I hate soul drought. I hate soul drought so much. It, it is so annoying to me when you can, like you, you could, if you would, if you could, but you can't because there's nothing available. And I thought the tokens could be a way to produce souls in gameplay without messing with the ratios in people's decks because they, they, they are produced. And then if they don't exist any longer, they just don't, they don't exist any longer. They don't get, they don't get shuffled back in because they don't, they're not real cards. Right. So it doesn't, it doesn't mess with the legality of the deck, but it still gives the opportunity to address things like soul drop. That was my, that was my main thrust in tokens was, creating soul tokens. Um, but I love the, like I was looking at the, the roots page in, you know, the church of Christ and, and harvest tokens that they have there where there's tokens that are believers, which was one of those things that we had talked about, which I think is so cool, but they've done heavenly harvest uh, or heavenly host rather with angel tokens and the accumulator with the demon tokens proselyte tokens. I mean, there's yeah, just, there's a, there's, there's a token for everybody out there. <laughs> There's a token for anybody who wants a token. Um, and it's not a, it's not just a token gesture. I'm sorry. I had to say it. Um, <laughs> if I didn't throw a pun in here, they'd be like, I don't know if that was actually Travis or if that was just AI Travis. Well, we do um, live in a simulation though here. <laughs> yeah, evidently. But yeah, really my motivation was more towards the, the lost soul generation side of it. And, and that, that also comes from, you know, I, I've, I've tinkered so much with, different play styles and, you know, type three or type whatever, like, you know how, like on that part of the message boards where people are coming up with different kinds of play styles and they type it with different numbers and letters and they come up with different things they could do. I did a buy the book thing one time. Matter of fact, I think I have it sitting here, but it's, um, I know we're not doing a video podcast, but it's just a little book that um, actually has like individual sleeves in it. And the whole idea was that you would create you would create a deck that would go into a book and that you would interact with the book, but you wouldn't actually take the cards out. It would be where you are in the book, which gives you like the ability to play certain things. So I was always tinkering with stuff like that, always trying to find new ways to, to, to play the game. Um, and so it partly came from that too. Like I, I always, I always want to try, like I'm a, I'm also in my mind, I don't know if it's reality, but I'm a game designer at heart. 
like I always want to be trying to make something. And so Redemption gave me an outlet for that because you can always be making a new deck. Yeah. But I wasn't, you know, I wasn't necessarily satisfied with just making new decks. I was like trying to make new styles of play. And Well, that's fair. Uh, as As much strategy as the game has in it, there should be as many different play styles. So yeah, trying to come up with something new with the card pool and maybe bringing in something new like tokens or something, you know, right. something big like that. That keeps the game fresh. So all that, all that's good for the community as a whole. Yeah. That, that's where the cube came from. That's where junk draft came from. I don't even know if that's still a thing, if they're still in junk draft at nationals as a side event, but. They do garbage sealed is what they call it. That's what it is. Garbage sealed. That's what it was called. But junk draft sounds yeah, just as you. good. <laughs> I told you it's 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 a it's a blur. Yeah, garbage sealed where you get your your two blue packs and your two green packs or three green packs and three blue packs. And you hope for a big body. <laughs> and you may that's exactly right. You hope for a big body and matching brigades. Yeah. And something with a special ability, perhaps. Hey, let's not get crazy though. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I guess good times at the time that you stepped away, I believe the set that had most recently came out was prophecy of Christ and Mm -hmm. lineage of Christ was in development. Um, but that came out a little bit later due to COVID and things kind of wrecking the, the timeline for it, if you will. Right. But within LOC was kind of these characters that they were lesser known characters in the Bible. A lot of, Oh man, that was so much fun. And they have subtitles. They have, yes, they do. You know, like Jared the Beholder, <laughs> and there was Adam the Exile, and then Adam, whatever his name is, Noah the Righteous, and all kinds of different titles. And with the flip characters, they get two titles, and all yes. of those. You were a big influence on those, and <laughs> all of that gets gets to come from, I guess, maybe you nerding out with your Bible knowledge or whatever, and getting to yeah. use that in the game, and that's really cool. And it also gives kind of context of who these people were on the card without even. Then you get to go to the scripture and find out more if you, if you do yeah, that. Yeah. But how cool was that? I, I can I can tell from your reaction you really enjoyed doing that, and that's probably one of your favorite things that you've done. But just take us through getting to do that and and what that was like for you. Well, it, it was about often it was about the etymology of the name, um, especially with with Hebrew names. There's there's so much story just in the name itself, and so. Names reflected character, names reflected actions. Um, and so, like you said, like, you know, you find, you go to a name and you go, okay, what is, what's the Hebrew? What is, what does that mean? And that's not always a great way to do Bible study. <laughs> like, like to go and try to dig to all the deeper meaning of each of the letters and go, okay, so this is what this means. And, but when you're talking about a name and you're talking about trying to capture who someone is in, one line and part of that line has to be their name. You, you, you can go to the etymology and go, okay, this is who this person is based on what this name means. And then you can go look at the text and go, okay, does the text reflect that? Cause I don't want to be unfair to the person. You know, this is a real person who really lives at a certain time and in, in, in place. So I don't, I don't want to be unfair to them at the same time. If the etymology matches with their story, <laughs> It, it makes sense. You might as well go with it. And, and it really, it really kind of, for lack of better terms, it really paints a picture of who the person is. Um, and so that was, that was just a ton of fun when, when that, when that task got 
divvied out. I was like, ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. And I bet no um, one, no one fought you for it, did they? Well, no, no, that's not, no, that's not necessarily the case. I mean, there's a lot of guys in there that really love the scriptures. And w- one of the things I loved about that group is it was such an ecumenical group. Like, people from all kinds of backgrounds. I was the only Church of Christ guy in that yeah. group. Okay. There were people from all different faith backgrounds in that group. And we were working together and they love, they love the scriptures. And so there were times where I would, I would say, you know, I, I think this guy's name should be this. And then someone was trying in and go, well, I don't know if I, I'll, I agree with that based on this. And we would go to the text, you know, and, and I'm not going to say that like every card design meeting turned into a Bible study, but there were times where, especially stuff like that, where you're trying to just convey a, a very specific idea about a person. There were there were times where we had some pretty in-depth discussions or, you know, you may not think that when we create a card that we're thinking theologically, but we really are. We're trying to, to convey um, something that is both theologically accurate, but at the same time ecumenical in the sense that it's not going to offend a particular group or a particular perspective. Which is tricky. It, it's it's really hard. Uh, I mean, you you have uh, Rob is Catholic. There's some folks in the group who are Catholic. There's folks that are Protestant, different kinds of Protestants, and we're all working together as a body and trying to produce something that reflects the truth of Scripture, truth of God's Word, in a way that is Christ-like, both in between our interaction with one another and in the way that we're portraying that to everyone else. So. I mean, they knew I loved that kind of stuff, so I don't think anyone was going to be like, no, I want it, but... I think that's where I was going with, because I did it from talking to them, and I've had, you know, several of them on, and multiple times on the podcast. It just seems like they like to find what someone's good at or what they enjoy and let them take that, Yes, and if you're, like, jumping up in a meeting or whatever, you're like, hey, I want to do that, I want to do that. I, I yeah. just don't see anybody being like, no, we're going to go a different direction. <laughs> I feel like they would just hands off. Yeah, you've got that big dog. <laughs> Travis, you're weird. <laughs> we're not letting you do that. Yeah. So no. that, that's kind of more where I was like, no one fought you for it, did they? No, no, but they were certainly invested in it for sure. They they were, cause, and I, I don't remember any specific examples off the top of my head, but there were a couple where I came back and I said, I think this would make sense. And they're like, eh, I don't know if that's. The most flattering way to say that. <laughs> yeah. So I guess let me ask you about while you were part of the design team, was there a specific area of scripture that you wanted to, or that you were looking forward to getting to touch on with the game? Or was there something that maybe was done before you were on the team and you were like, I can't wait till we revisit that. Right. Um, you know, it's, I, I was, I, I had a deck at one point. Um, this is another one of those weird decks that I created called Books of the Bible Deck. There was one card from every book of the Bible. I love the names of them that are just so literal. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there, so there were books that didn't have any cards in them. And I don't know if that's still true now or not, but at the time, there were books that didn't have any cards that were represented in any set anywhere. And so I really wanted to, and I don't know if I if I pushed for that, with anything. I know I was definitely wanting an old Testament, uh, lost soul. That was meek. Um, Hey, there we go. Daniel meek soul. 
Yeah. Yep. I was really wanting that, um, but I was told no. I don't know if that's a thing now. It, yet. it is a thing now. It is? It is a thing. There's a Daniel Meek All Soul. It was a promo. At one point, they thought about making it an ultra rare because of the impact that they thought it would have. Wait, was it that? Was it that set? Was it Line of Christ that it, that it came out in? Um, I think it came out in the time leading up to Lineage of Christ, but not as part of the set. It was a like an outside of a set promo, kind of like okay. a se- seasonal okay. promo, I believe. Huh. I must have missed that. Hmm. There's something specific about the artwork. It's not full art. It's still got the the white border. Right. Um, but I don't think it's got the two different boxes around the art where the art's hmm. in one box and then the text ability. I think it's just the whole art is filling the, the lost soul. And oh, then you cool. have like the, the text box that says meek lost soul or meek, no ability. Yeah. Yeah. But those are in the game now. And then we've had, cool. we've had several other meek souls. So, but I guess, I guess to go back and answer your question, there wasn't really anything in particular that I was um, jonesing to, to research for the game. I, I I've always been a, a lover of the old Testament and how there is that connection, which is part of the reason why I push for the kind of the dual Testament references. I've always loved that. So, I mean, I guess if I were to pinpoint something, that would probably be it would be just trying to, to push for those things. And, and even sometimes, <laughs> you know, there, there's sometimes a, a debate as to whether or not that is an actual quote or is it just an illusion and how far do we want to go? Do we want to allow illusions to be dual Testament or, you know? Yeah. I ran into that with my um, yeah. create a card because Jeremy won yeah. another category at nationals. Uh, each category got to create a card. I got oh, the one for sweet. teams yes. and yep. they obviously uh, due to some other issues with other player created cards to where power creep got involved. They, mm-hmm. they kind of watered them down a little bit to say you've got to make a character or an enhancement, and it's going to be on, like, super simple terms, not doing a lot of things. And I wanted right. a, an enhancement for Genesis because they're kind of weak on enhancements, especially in rotation. Like, you can ban yes. big numbers, and then you've got negates, but you don't have battle winners per se. And I wanted right. to create one that was called, like, Days of Noah, because Jesus hmm. is talking to the disciples and he's like, as it was in the days of Noah, no one was aware. And then it happened the flood came or whatever. And I wanted one that like interrupt the, the battle and then go and play the flood or play hmm. a new beginning or something like that. But it wasn't a direct quote. And then because he was talking to the disciples based on the way that card design's working now, it would have been a purple hmm. enhancement, not blue. So it wouldn't have helped me out much. So right. I went in a different direction for the card design. <laughs> <laughs> but I I did try to do the whole dual dual testament reference there and yeah because they they're so protective of making sure that it's like a direct quote that was a no go yeah yep which seems it might seem silly but it's it really is kind of a it, it you just have to set the parameter and run with it yeah and obviously with the source material that we're using trying to do that in the most respectful way and honor the, absolutely the sense of what that was written for and was it intended to be used that way. And if, right. if you'll misquote it for a game's purpose, you'll misquote it for anything else. So <laughs> right. I guess it's good that we have those, those standards in place. Yes, absolutely. So I guess you mentioned earlier and we're getting ready to wrap up. This is kind of the last big thing that I, I want to ask about is you mentioned that cube that you worked on for having a yeah. cube draft. What yes. all can you tell us about the development of that? Because I went back and read the article and it, it was evident how passionate you were about creating that. <laughs> and when you talk about 
like you can get a sense of passion from you when you talk about these weird decks that you used to build and just trying to think outside of the box. And that wasn't a thing where you were able to think outside of the box and do your own thing to try to help the community and, and give them something they didn't have before. So what all went into that? And, and what do you remember about developing that? Okay. So you guys can't see it on the podcast, but apparently he has the cube. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I have it and I've been looking through it cause you asked several questions about it. And so I had to go back and look at it. But one of the things I I wanted to do was to create something that was reproducible and reusable. So it's it's not just like I put the list out there because everybody has cards. And so a group can get together and put them together into a cube. And then they can have that draft experience or sealed, however they want to do it, over and over again without... and. So I guess this is a side where I wasn't quite that business savvy without having to spend any money. <laughs> like you can continue to draft. You don't have to go buy packs. And that's why you, you had to, to sell the business back to Ken. <laughs> I, I had to sell because I was like, I, I'm terrible at business. Uh, no, it, because that, that experience is something that as a, as a play group leader, it's hard to reproduce the draft experience without just busting new packs over and over again. Well, this, the cube allows you to kind of teach how to draft without breaking new packs all the time too. So you can sit down with a group of new players and go, okay, so when we're drafting (laughs) and it's, it's, it's one thing to say it to somebody, but it's another to pick up the stack of cards that they drafted after you're done and go, okay, where are our characters? We don't have any, do we? <laughs> Why don't we have any characters? <laughs> well, it's because you saw all these cool, shiny en- enhancements, and you saw all these really... But we don't have any characters. <laughs> so you can't win a game if you don't have characters. And so it was a teaching thing, too. It was a teaching tool to be able to go, this is how you draft, and this is what it looks like. And we can reproduce it. We can do it over and over again. And there's really cool cards in here. There's There's... Powerful cards, but they're not like the most powerful cards. They're cards that you're going to see in a draft sometimes where you're going to go, here's a card. It's not immediately obvious how it's going to help me win, but how can I become more creative with how I use stuff in an environment that is not set, that you don't know what's coming. Um, and so doing that was, and again, this, it, this comes, that was directly related to my experience um, at Gym City Games was we had a group of people that came in and drafted all the time. Well, they would come and draft and they would buy packs and draft, but then they would hang out afterwards and someone would play commander and someone would do these other things, but other people still wanted to draft. And so they were, they started talking about cubes and I started looking it up and we created a cube for the store of, of magic cards that people would then borrow and they would hang out. And for, for a brick and mortar, it, it actually made sense because more people hang out. They're going to buy another drink. They're going to buy another soda. They're going to buy something to eat. They may see a card in the in the cube. They go, oh, that's really cool. I forgot that card existed. Do you guys have any of those in stock? And I say, oh, yeah, here. We have, like, we have one. You want it? And so it was, it was kind of a way to, uh, for, from a business side, from a brick and mortar, it made sense. Um, I did update it. Uh, I think I'm, I'm in that thread on the message boards that talks about the cube, it said that I was updating it, but I hadn't put the information up from updating it, which is true. It was updated again since the list. 
here's the thing. I don't, I don't think that I'm super clever when it comes to that. I think anybody can create a cube. And I think right now, especially is a good time to do it because I don't know if draft is going to be affected by the new, you know, the, the rotation thing, especially if the new packs coming out are going to start to be all new cards. Um, but you could prepare for that. You could take some of the old stuff that you're not going to maybe use as much anymore and create a cube, like a, like a retro, like a remember back when kind of cube. Um, there's all kinds of fun stuff you can do with that. And all it takes is a little bit of time and creativity and come up with your own thing. And I, like I said, I, I put my list out, not because necessarily it was like, hey, you guys should, you know, do it the way I do it. Um, matter of fact, I, I asked a lot of questions as I did the queue because I wanted the community to help me think it through. And I will say that the dual cards that are like, some of them are like dual enhancements, some of them are like character and enhancements, those are a nightmare <laughs> when they when you are have such uh ocd <laughs> when it comes to that kind of stuff because i want everything to be balanced yeah and so now i'm having to go okay that card counts as an artifact but it also counts as an evil character <laughs> it's like okay uh i need to sit it down and walk away for a while that's how i felt when i was organizing my boxes when i first got into the game i was like where do i yes. put this at because yeah. I've got all of these different, like I've got everything labeled, like this row is this card type. Yep. And I was like, yep. so I just settled on whatever comes first, unless it's like a covenant or a curse. But if it's like one of those evil characters and an oh, enhancement, nuts. I, default, yeah, no. I default to whatever. I think it, it comes first as an identity. Like I see Leviathan as an evil character, not an enhancement. Yeah. So I put it with right. evil characters. Behemoth, right. the same way. But stuff like that. And it's just. I could definitely see that causing issues when you're trying to maintain a exact number of this. Oh my that. goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's why I abandoned continuing to update it. I was like, I don't want to have to deal with this anymore, but no, I, I think it's worthwhile. I think it's something that is, you know, people can do for their own play group. Kind of in that same spirit of trying to make sure things are balanced and what, what not for drafting for the experience of drafting. That's kind of mm -hmm. the the spirit that Roots is being done in, is that they're making those yeah. cards with the idea that these are going to be the main heart of booster draft in the future, to make sure that right. they kind of line up with that. They're streamlined, you know, simple wording. It's not all the all the I, I guess gray area that some of those cards at Mister Classic, for example. I got Jerusalem Tower and got heard because it didn't work the way that I thought it did. So. Uh. <laughs> and. You know, John Early was, was happy to do it to me, but... Oh, yeah. Uh, like, I mean, I didn't know that card would work out. The, I read it, and I thought it would play a certain way, and turns out it didn't play. Right. Once you put it in territory, you're just stuck, homie. <laughs> yep. So I was stuck, and that's that's one of those things <laughs> to where now my experience is skewed because of that interaction, because I didn't understand that card. And if you can clean up right. even just the wording, which is, you know what roots is going to bring by having those filler cards in the back of the pack, be more streamlined and in line with what the new sets are. The drafting experience should improve overall, but that's kind of, you know, like what you were doing with your cube is kind of making sure that things are balanced and, and making sure that there's a positive drafting experience, you know, unless you, like you said, just don't draft characters or you draft all evil characters. Right. Cause you're like, well, I have to block. <laughs> 
Well, now how do you rescue? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, I, I love. I was. I was noticing the roots there. That lost souls card is now no longer incredibly problematic, but that it creates a token. Yeah, which is beautiful. Yeah, there you go. That's your impact on the game. <laughs> beautiful. I love it. So, speaking of impact, I guess we've talked about several areas now. We've gone through just about all the hats that you wore within the community. I'm sure there's different things that you did to impact, even if it was just your local play group or some of the extra work you put into maybe those national tournaments that maybe hasn't, you know, come to public eye. So not that we've got a full, you know, encompassing, (laughs) this is what you brought to the game, but out of the things that we know and that we've discussed tonight, what are you most proud of looking back? You know, when you think about your time with the game, what is the thing that gives you the most pride knowing that you had a hand in? Hmm. It's a loaded question. Um, I know (laughs) it's well, it, it is easy. It would be easy, really easy to go to, a stuff answer like this card or this event or this award. Not that I had hardly any of those, but just honestly, it's, it's the relationships. Um, you know, I, you've seen my, my message board's name, right? You youth minister with UTA. There's a bracket. There's a bracket at the end. BR. BR is the name, initials of a guy. One of the first guys I met playing Redemption, his name was Brian Reed. Fellow youth minister, lived in Indiana, which is why I kind of perked up when you mentioned that YTG is now in Indiana. But Brian Reed was a quality human being um, whose life was cut short because of a car accident. He was the the white ranger (laughs) on the message boards way back in the day. But, you know, the value that has taught me to place on relationships um, knowing that you never know well, you see him at one event and then, then you find out that there is a car accident and he's not with us anymore. And the thing I'm, I guess I'm, I put most value in, in my time with redemption community is just that those relationships, the knowing that there are people in this world that I could call if I need to talk and um, that they would without judgment, Listen, um, that there are people that if I was just showed up in Alabama, (laughs) (laughs) that I, that I would probably have a place to stay with Jay if I needed it. Um, to know that not, not, not very many hours away, I have a, a brother who I love very much in Roy that means the world to me that I don't know that that's really where, where it all lies is if if I had never, so here, here's where I here's where I started. I was at, I was with my youth group at a Christian concert thing at Kings Island in Cincinnati, and David Easterling had a booth, a World Vision booth set up, and he was selling redemption cards. And I walked over, and I thought, hmm, that's kind of cool. I'd played Magic growing up. It's kind of neat looking. He had some Warriors packs sitting there, so I bought a few. And it's funny that you, you mentioned that like the guy you were talking about bought some cards and then it kind of sat on the side for a while. Yeah. Opened them up later and was like, oh, you know what? This is really cool. And then started to get into it. It's exactly what happened to me. It was almost like a seed. Like you plant it at the house and then eventually it grows. You're like, you know what? I think, I think I want to try that. But what that launched in my life is it's not about 
owning a store. It's not about creating a card. It's not about any of that. It's about the community. It's about the relationships. It's about just being a part of something. And it, and it's honestly something that I miss, um, that I've, that I've not been a part of in a while. So that's, <laughs> you know, all that to say it means a lot, but I haven't really shown that to be true much lately with my connection. So, well, I guess wrapped up in that is, you know, I mentioned that I asked on the discord, which is, you know, where we all communicate now, the boards is kind mm-hmm. of fallen by the wayside a little bit. Like it gets updated every yeah. now and then, but it's not as active as it was the discord. Right. And when I asked, is there anything specific you guys want me to ask Travis? The, <laughs> you know what the question was? It's the last question here. I do. It's, it's the question of, is there any chance that we ever see you back in the game but it wasn't even like it wasn't like, hey, ask him if he's coming back. It's just like ask him when he's coming back. Right. And it's like there's <laughs> it's not if, it's when. Yeah, it's you know, and Roy <laughs> always says, you know, you mentioned Roy and always keep a starter deck. Always keep a starter deck, but it's always like yep. players don't leave. They just go yep. on hiatus and then they will yep. they will return. So I yep. gotta ask you. It, yep. it's clear that, you know, you're still impacted by your time with the game and Obviously, the game's still impacted from your time with it. But is there any chance we see you back involved in the community? Um, probably not in the way that I have been in the past. Um, I don't know. I find sometimes that I, I too often try to cling to the past, try to to recreate <laughs> what it was. Um, and so I'm getting older and wiser and knowing that that's not really a smart thing to do. But um, I have said to Roy a handful of times that, I really, if I come, <clears throat> I will not be doing type one. <laughs> I will not be doing type two. I'll just be doing some draft and hanging out and doing some sealed maybe and hanging out. But I, I would love, I, I'm, I actually, when I was on the message boards, I peeked over at when nationals was and where it yeah. was and no surprise. It's in Knoxville. <laughs> yeah. No surprise. <laughs> Chris, Chris is doing such a good job there. It just, it's a no brainer to keep going back there, but you know, I'm, I, I still, the, our play group here still from time to time asks, so we got to do anything. And there's a, there's a guy that has started coming recently. Um, his name is Thurman, who is a gamer and had never heard of redemption. And so, you know, there's a little bit of a rekindling there of an interest. And to be real honest, like we have the playgroup card still. Like I actually have the binder, like the trade binder for the playgroup here, and it's stacked. I mean, it's got all kinds of good stuff in it. Um, but this it's playgroup cards. And so we still have the ability to put stuff together and play. I don't know if we're gonna be any good or we're definitely not gonna be up to date, but I think it's a distinct possibility that that the uh, that the, the church van <laughs> will, will, will make will make another trip cross country uh, at some point or another. I don't know if it'll be this year, but I do know that that my education is probably not over yet either. Um, I'm probably going to continue to pursue some stuff, and that will continue to take a more central role uh, in my life. So, like I said, I don't I don't think it'll be like it has been in the past. I don't I don't see myself. Uh, having nearly the involvement, but there is a definitely an intense and an innate desire to, to kind of be back and to get to see people and go grab dinner and just 
enjoy the fellowship. So I'll leave you with a distinct and confident maybe. Well, that's that's better than a solid no. But hey, <laughs> it's not a hard pass. You mentioned the uh, playgroup and having stuff that's maybe not up to date. With a new starter deck coming out in just a few weeks, I, we got update from Your Turn Games that Rob told them in two to three weeks those things should be available. New starter deck, okay. the new set that's going to work directly with the starter deck to tell the story. And the new starter deck's about Israel's deliverance. So it's, you know, yeah. it's got David and Goliath where God delivered his people that way. And then Moses and Pharaoh kind of retouching those. But then the new set, Israel's Rebellion, is made to work with those starter decks and kind of tell the more fully encompassing story. And right. the next set after that is going to work with that as well. So it's going to be like a three part thing with the starter decks. And it's a really good time to jump back into the game. Like it's a good clean launch point. <laughs> Not trying to sell you. I'm just saying, if you do get in, twenty bucks gets you that starter deck that Roy said you needed to keep. You might as well get some new packs with roots in the back of it, so you get all new cards. Right. Just saying. I'm just saying right. it's a good time to get in the game. And I, I might as well go ahead and pick up one of those uh, foil Son of God cards. Yeah, and... you, you might as well come try to try to get your hands on one of those. And you've already <laughs> got your, you've already got a new podcast to listen to. So there <laughs> That's you go. Right. Man, I'm a fan of what you're doing. This is really cool. Yeah, and you're on episode number 60. So, excellent. My my fear when I started was that I was gonna gonna do it for a little bit, and it was gonna be like a lot of things that in the past. Not trying to knock anyone else, but there's a lot of things that people have really big ambitions for, and then it kind of falls. Yeah. And I went through that this past fall or, or winter into mm-hmm. uh, like at the end of last year and coming into this year to where work got really busy and I had a lot of stuff going on and I didn't record and I'm glad that I picked it back up and just kept going with it. But definitely enjoy being able to be involved with the community on this side. Cause like you said, I don't do a lot of winning. I'm in that same boat, but this is a way that I can impact the community and I, I enjoy being able to do that. For sure. But I guess that's, sure. that's kind of the, the end of my questions here. So definitely want to thank you for your time. This went a lot longer than I thought it would. So I'm glad you didn't rush me off. (laughs) No, it's all good. But uh, definitely want to thank you for coming on. And hopefully that maybe turns into a solid, like we'll see you at nationals. It's somewhere down the road. (laughs) I mean, Knoxville is, is pretty close to close to Texas in redemption terms. It only gets farther away. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Unless Roy tries to host it again. Yeah. But I don't see him doing that. So I, I will, I will say this to you. I don't know, I don't know if this is going to make it on the podcast or not, but um, so one of my favorite, one of my prized possessions is a Paul promo card. I don't know if you can. Yeah. It's autographed. It's autographed. I can't see who. So I don't know if you're a, like a theology nerd, but you, you may have heard the name N.T. Wright. I so into your, I can't lie in, to you and in, say that it, it it rings a bell immediately. Some some people it, it will. N.T. Wright is one of those. He's he's one of the more prominent theologians of our time. Um, and he he was. There's a place here locally called Lanier Theological Library. It's a place I love to go to. It's just incredible. It's free. Like to go into yeah. this incredibly well stocked theological library. Um, I feel like 007, every time you pull up, you call the number and it's this giant, like a uh, stone wall compound and you call and you tell them that you're a registered patron and it goes, ee- 
it opens and you can go in. When you when and you call it so, a compound, you you make it sound like you're doing something dirty. Yeah. <laughs> I realize but, I'm in Texas, and when you think compound in Texas, it's not a great yeah. thing. <laughs> Don't we're, it's it's not like Waco. Um, we're we're oh, in Houston man. anyway. <laughs> so every once in a while, he'll have. Uh, theologians come in and give talks like free to the community. Like you, you, all you do is sign up. And so myself and the preacher and uh, there's a couple other guys that were with us. And we went to listen to NT Wright defend. So he wrote a book about Paul. And so they brought in these other theologians and they, they basically, he presented it like a dissertation and they attacked it. And then he had a chance to defend at the end. And then they had a break. And then, you, then you could, once you went out to dinner and stuff, you could come back and then he had he gave a talk that night. Well, in between, we're getting ready to go get dinner, and he's walking outside, and I walk over to him and I say, "Mr. Wright, would you be willing to autograph my Paul card?" <laughs> <laughs> I got a Paul rookie card that needs a signature. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's his rookie card. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and he looked at me, and with what I can only imagine is confusion. Mixed with disdain, goes, what is that? (laughs) And I said, sir, it is a collectible card game based on the Bible, and this is a Paul card, and I was wondering if you would autograph it for me. And he (laughs) he takes my Sharpie and begins to write his name and shake his head as if he is judging me on the spot, like in the back of his head, stupid American Christians. and. But I was nerding out because, like, this guy, like, in, in the theological world, he's fairly he's a fairly big deal. And he he writes a lot of books. I've read a lot of his books. And it was just a really, really funny moment. But I, it's, it's, this, this is kind of the litmus test when I show it to somebody. Yeah. If they're like, oh, it's a cool card. I know they like cards. If they look at it and go, who's the name? And I tell them, and he write, and they go, whoa. Then I know that we're going to have some fun conversations. So it's kind of, you get to open a door, but it's got a storm door on the front. So it's at two avenues that you could go. <laughs> yes, precisely. There you go. Yeah. And and then the card behind it is, uh, is my Yu-Gi-Oh token that I had made when I was, when I owned Gym City Games. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it doesn't see the light of day for obvious reasons, but man, I appreciate you. Yeah, definitely want to, uh say thank you for your time here. I really do think that this is this is the type of thing that when I set out to do the podcast, I was like that this is one of the things that would be really cool like the people that have no longer been involved in the game and be able to showcase them and not necessarily in a way to just try to like ask you to come back to the game and type of thing that right. I feel like it right. could come off sometimes, but more genuinely just kind of be thankful for the impact that people had making this game that lasted long enough. Thankfully it lasted long enough. Or 2019 for me to come and in contact with it and enjoy it right. and pick it up and then carry some part of the torch forward. Yeah. So for all that impact, definitely want to say thank you. Well, appreciate you and you doing what you're doing. This is awesome. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed getting to know Travis as we recorded this. Hopefully you guys have some context for who he was and his impact on the game if you were not around during that time. And we're looking forward to next week's episode, and we'll be right back with you. Peace.